I mean, that, look at me. how you get a receding hairline. <laughs> sure. I don't care. Okay. You've got a lot of hair on that head, though. Uh, a Allison. lot of hair. Um, I, I don't know. And I, and I'm, I'm saying this because I got a haircut, but it's like my, I'm so bad at dealing with hair that I'm just like, I don't know. Just, just do whatever you want. All right. And joining us this week, special guest from Uppercut Crit, Monty. Beep, beep, Hello. Beep. Hello. I guess I say something about hair. Um, I hate hair. I <laughs> shaved it all off when I was 16. Haven't done that since. Um, don't pluck out your hair, Pat. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if there was uh, if I could go get haircuts, but sadly, mm-hmm. it's, it's not available. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're struggling, Pat, with the new hair coming in at the moment. Where, but I'm kind of feel like really it should just that, all. Really uh, yeah, big, I don't know. This it's not is, really that big of a deal. I just needed something this is to a, say after this you said. Is, the, yeah, this the is thing. a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yanking out. Detail. I'm not yanking out clumps of hair from my hairline. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm no, just like, worry. oh no. That's what don't, my cat no, he's just doing did. it. That's what my mm-hmm. cat did. We had to put something stinky on his arm so he would stop doing it. We like did, pluck its own how do you hair. Clean yourself then. Yeah. No, like or if your the cat, cat, the cat would just, the cat the cat would just be like, I'm stressed and anxious. I'm just gonna start chewing out my hair. Chomp chomp. Oh yeah, I've and, had cats. Okay, do that. okay. Does your cat have eczema? No. <laughs> that is one of the other reasons that cats will do that. Is a, sure. That is a reason, yeah. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, uh, hi, welcome Monty. to... Nice to yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really well, excited if, to be here. I know I've if, been um, talking to Alex for a little bit. And yeah, I'm so happy to talk to you guys, all of you. Yeah. If people don't know Uppercut Crit, what's the, what's the short version of Uppercut Crit? Uh, we are a site full of diverse criticism. We kind of talk about the problems in the industry, but also we talk about things that we enjoy. Um, we're always up to bullshit. So if you like us, uh, we're on Twitter at uppercut underscore grit. I lied. It's just uppercut grit. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't handle the Twitter account. Obviously, it's okay, Andre. We we've, we've been doing this for like three years, and Andre still can't remember the the twitter account <laughs> there's it's there are too many uh, too many like accounts across different platforms so it's like is it fixed podcast there like <laughs> is it gaming, uh, gaming fix? is it gaming yeah. fix is it fixed podcast yeah i found yeah. out that the like last week that someone else has gaming fix on youtube and we have what? fixed podcasts yeah really? <laughs> they have like one <laughs> subscriber <laughs> oh it, like, i think the, that actually yeah. might that actually might be me no, it's not. Oh, it's like some kid in the Philippines. Oh, sick! Let's get them on. The, I mean, let's get them cool. on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I, where, I they might uh, one subscriber, one video. The Samyang Challenge. I don't know what this is. Ten views two years ago. <laughs> I think I've heard of that. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> what is I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that's. I don't know that. That's that. Um, <laughs> We're here to talk about all sorts of stuff today, uh, games and uh, anime. It's been a while. We, we never talk about anime on this show, ever. It's been a while. 
Mm-hmm. How about, Monty, how about you start us off with the existential nightmare for me that is Japan Sinks? Oh, man. Okay. So, so, I, I do live in Japan, so that is a constant existential nightmare. Is Oh, wow. We're at. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to put this. No, no. It's, no, it's okay. I actually live in a relatively safe area of the mm-hmm. country. I live in uh, Otsu, which is just outside Kyoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I live near, like, the biggest lake in Japan. And like earthquakes, we feel them, but they're generally not too big here. No oh, yeah. tsunami dam- like danger. Hurricanes, not too dangerous here. So I'm pretty fortunate in that aspect. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We love we love a safe Andre. That's good. Yeah. Um Okay. So yeah, anime. I uh I watched Japan Sinks on my road trip from LA to New York. And it was I have nothing to do in a car that I'm just like watching cows throughout like 16 hours of like going through each state. And, and I still had to like stop because I couldn't watch anymore. I would rather just take a nap is, um, is, or watch that, the cows just kind of sit and do their thing. Is that what um, inspired the uh, potato ice cream? Yes. Oh, Oh, can I tell you guys about the potato ice cream before oh, I go please. in? Okay, okay. So I went to Idaho. Um, it was my friend Tavy and my friend Sean. Um, I really, really wanted to see this, like, B&B that I saw when I was six years old on PBS. And it's, like, this house shaped like a beagle, like a dog. What? And, yeah, I just I'm didn't familiar with it. this. I'm familiar with this B&B, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to see it because it's been in my brain since I was six. So we went to Idaho. I didn't realize it was like next to the border of Canada. And (laughs) it was so far. But before we started hitting like the scary parts of like not having any service, just going through mountains um, for like hours on end, we did stop to eat some food. And there was this place that, you know, had Guy Fieri's face on it because he went there. (laughs) Hell yeah. And yeah, he he does that. He like spray paints his face in the restaurants. <laughs> I mean, it gets it, that's how I go in. It's just like he's been there. It's got to be good. Um so we were doing kind of like a search before we got to Idaho. We went to Nevada. And we're like, what is like the Idaho food? Or like they're potatoes, but do they have like a specialty potato? And the Google hits came up and there was potato ice cream. So we were freaking out because we thought it was just like a baked potato with like ice cream poured on top of it. Um, But it's not. It's just a potato that, sorry, an ice cream that looks like a potato. So it's just (laughs) vanilla ice cream. (laughs) It's vanilla ice cream cut in half and coated in like chocolate dust. And then with Mm. like more ice cream on top of it. But it straight up just looks like a potato. Um, That's both cool, but also feels like a bit of a cop out for your like <laughs> regional food. <laughs> to yeah, just be like, it's just another food. We just shaped it like, like you can't. Texas's regional food is not a butter cow. <laughs> oh, oh my god! No, you're right. You're now thinking about it. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were gonna say ice cream shaped like like a rack of ribs. <laughs> <laughs> that would also not count, but would be funny, and I'm sure exists somewhere in this in this beautiful country that we live. There, in. There's a <laughs> s- speaking of weird ice cream 
treats. <laughs> there is, uh, a, I guess, a, par- a pretty popular ice cream uh, treat in Japan, which is basically just a condom filled with ice cream. What? That, I'm right. not surprised at that at all, yeah. actually. What is, is this? It, I'm like, looking this up. Is, is it in a vending machine? Uh, I'm not sure. I was told about hey, this. I've not it? had one. But it's is just it? like... It's like if you took a condom and filled it with ice cream and then you like cut open the end and like you nibble it out. Is it an actual <laughs> condom or is it just condom No, like? but it, it but it's just it's <laughs> it's it's a basically a condom. It's not like yeah, here's a magnum okay. filled with ice cream, it's, but it's, a, it's, it's Is it like it's, a push pop? Yeah, kind of. No, sounds like it. No. It's just if, if take a condom, uh-huh. fill it with ice cream, like, give me a minute. tie a uh-huh. knot in the end uh-huh. and then just like cut open the end, uh, cut open the other end and then just like kind of eat it out at the end of the I condom. mean at some point that's just a uh, oh god what do you use when you're doing baking in a piping bag for ice yeah. cream <laughs> kind of yeah. yeah yeah any Anyways, Japan no, sinks. This is huh? that surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Japan, hey, we got there. Yeah. Thanks, Andre. Um, yeah. So, did you guys watch the anime? I haven't seen it. So, uh, um, I've, I've talked about all of the spoilers with friend of the site Cheese, uh, Cheska, mm-hmm. and I watched a couple of episodes of their previous work, uh, Devilman Crybaby, and really didn't like it. So. <laughs> Science Saru, uh, the animation company, they do a lot of like funky things, um, and I think that's what I like about. I really like ping pong the animation. That was kind of sure. like my first like yeah quote unquote like weird anime that wasn't like moe and like kind of giving off the animation that kind of sells. It's very different. Um, I guess it kind of gave off like home movie vibes. It was just like shaky lines all the time. But, um, totally. yeah, Japan sinks 2020. It's like based off of a book from the seventies and they wanted to modernize it. And yeah, they're just trying to escape from Japan sinking and it sounds really cool. And I really liked like the vibe of it. I really like that, you know, they put in kind of like in, I guess, how do I say like different like nationalities in the family, which is really cool because they did touch on like Japan nationalism and it, there was a lot of good things about it that I liked, but however, they just really, when they like dropped really boring stuff, it was so boring to the point that I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, they had three episodes. This is only a 10 episode series, but they had three full episodes of just talking about a cult and even though that is a real issue in Japan, um, they kind of just set it off to be something that was really weird. They like dropped in some like drug addiction on an old man out of nowhere. Um, they started like venturing into like the little kid and like thinking about like how much he hates Japan and wants to go out. Very interesting stuff, but it was like going back to back on characters so often that I was getting like whiplash from it. Um was it this, just wasn't fun to go through. Were these also the three episodes that like take place in a weed farm? That's the cult. Yeah. 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 It's like and the, it, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Like it's a weed farm and then it's controlled by some Oracle and then they have like a giant statue. It's like, I, I didn't yeah. like those episodes at all. Yeah. That's what Cheska told me about. And she was like, 
it starts so strong. It's like the first episode is really good. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is an adventure story. And then I'm just going to kind of throw some spoilers in here. Oh, like the dad dies in like the second episode. It's like, oh, is this going to be like grim and dark and serious and like Grave of the Fireflies-y? And then it's just like, oh no, we happened upon this village that is just a weed farm. And we spend like half of the series there now. It <laughs> and sounds- it's like, like why, do you, why, why, why is a weed farm so important in the apocalypse? Okay, sure. It sounds frustrating to me because a lot of this stuff sounds like something that I would find really interesting and compelling, but it also just sounds like it's not done in an interesting or compelling way. Yeah, that's like describing it. Describing it to me, I love the con. I mean, not love as in think they're good, but I find the concept of cults, for example, very interesting. Specifically, Mm -hmm. Japanese cults, because there is interesting to me the cultural differences that arise in Japanese cults versus American cults and European cults and stuff. that's a if you built a show around that, I would be like, well, I'll check that out. That sounds interesting. But it sounds like it's just not done in an interesting way, even though conceptually it's a cool idea. Yeah, that's where I'm at too, because it sounds like everything you're saying, I'm like, okay, dealing with cults sounds interesting. This whole overall concept sounds interesting, but I'm like, yeah, it just does not, you know, do yeah. everything well, which is which is a shame. Do you mm-hmm. do you think it ended in a way to where you think they could continue making it or is it, does it seem to have like a pretty definite ending? Like it's like, okay, this, this series is done. Okay. So actually um, it came out a couple days ago. Uh, they're actually going to redo it and make a movie to kind of like fix the criticism that this anime got, which uh-huh. I hope they fix. And like um, Pat, I, I agree that like the cult stuff is really, really cool. Um, I know there was like a really, I, 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 I'm not going to say iconic. There was a really devastating thing that happened, I think, in the 90s with the cult where they put yes. like bombs in trash cans. Yep, yep. yep. Um, I think if they kind of delved into that, that would have been cool. Just the weed farm was just so out of whack. Sounds like it, yeah. It was. Uh, Japan is real, real weird about drugs and weed and stuff. So <laughs> it's less that that sounds like it sounds like I don't, I'm not necessarily yeah. like offended at the concept of of that because yeah. I I know that's definitely a thing. Um, it's more just that it doesn't sound like an interesting angle to me. Less that yeah. it's like a yeah. problematic one. Um, you forget that there's a natural disaster in those three episodes. Like I yeah. forgot. Like where the, what and the fuck's happening in Japan right now? Then that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the way it works mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's yeah. about an urgent <laughs> ecological disaster happening around the characters that you shouldn't be able to forget about that at any point mm-hmm. i know I with mean, um alex with you said i hope the movie is good because the way that they ended it it was just it was just telling me to like get on with like cloud storage and just like hey if you die like how are people gonna remember you sort of thing like how are people gonna get all these pictures of you that sort of so that's what I got off of the last episode. Um, mm. I hated it. I didn't like the last episode, <laughs> but I really, really love the animation and I love the characters. And they're like real people that I can see walking down my street, except for the YouTuber. But YouTubers are wild people and they're just they, they have the power to do anything they want. Um, but other than the YouTuber, these are real people that I can like see. And that I can see their emotions. And it was like really interesting to see that. But the way that they like executed each episode, it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, until yeah. the end of it, I was just like, I need to write about this because I'm pissed. Because yeah. I don't know how to feel. 
But um, yeah, I wanted to know if you guys had like neutral, like sorry, anime that you guys were neutral about. Oh man, that's such a hard question because like <laughs> it's so much easier if you ask for the extremes. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, the one that you mm-hmm. really love, or the one that's like, oh, yeah. Pff. Like if we're just talking about the poopy ones, like that's very easy. We watched one of those all together. Which one on is Netflix, it? Evangelion. But um, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Of God, do not tell the hardcore weebs that, please. I know. I'm. I'm I, I watched. To be fair, I I hadn't watched it through because in high school I watched like the first 13 episodes, and I did the exact same thing this time around when it hit Netflix. I watched the first 13 episodes and was like, I really like this a lot. And then I stopped. <laughs> Not really on purpose, but I think that served me well. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm. I just pulled up my anime list uh, to look at and sorted by rating to see what I have that hangs around the five to seven range, because I imagine that's neutral. And the ones that stand out are uh, Durarara. Uh, we got Sword Art and Clanid, Clanod, whatever. But I think those three probably for me are the most neutral. Yeah, I think probably Sword Art falls into that category for me. I don't watch nearly as much anime as like you do, Alex. Um, I usually watch like maybe two or three series a year. Um, but but Sword Art was definitely one that like started strong for me, and then by halfway through the first season, I was just like, eh, it's. I can understand that there is some objective quality here in terms of storytelling and writing and art, but also it's not really doing that much for me. I just kind of like stuck it out for that first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Naruto Shippuden was one where I, I just, I, it was too long. And like, I thought like shit was cool in like when it got going, but then it just dragged so much in the middle. In that like, vein, it's, it's okay. One piece oh, definitely man. hit that way for me where it was like, oh, I understand yeah. why people are just wild for this thing. But at the same time, it's like, I, I liked the book a lot. Like I read, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I read it as it was being published um, in Shonen Jump for like four years and enjoyed that time. But then um, the anime, I was just kind of like, I don't know, so long. And like, because I had been reading the novels when the anime started, I was like, this is going to take like 20 years to get caught up to where the novels are now. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> And so I think that's definitely an example of that, too. Uh, Sorry to jump back in, but Monty, I have one that exactly describes the vibe you had um, with Japan Sinks, and that Mm -hmm. is Makaku City Actors, if you ever saw that. Oh my god, I forgot. That was way deep in my head. You just, like... (laughs) We talked about... we. Oh oh my god. That's the the one that pulls for me. Jesus. Yeah, I remember it being kind of just like... But I haven't watched it in years. Holy crap. The boom. Because <laughs> I really liked oh. Kagero. Like, I really liked Kagero Project, which is like the Vocaloid album that's like a concept and it's telling this whole story. Like, I really mm-hmm. liked that. And so when they announced an anime for it, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm into it. And like the first like five or six episodes were really good. And I was like, okay, sick. And then after that, it just turned into a burning dumpster fire and was just yeah. awful. Yeah, no, just the concept of kind of like Vocaloid inspired stuff is just like, this is fucking sick. Like, all of this stuff. But then, yeah, yeah I think watching that at the end, I was just like, hmm. Now there's okay. a bunch of I guess I'm going to forget about this for the next 10 years and look <laughs> at me now. I'm like, whoa, I watched that. That's, that's right. 
There you go. Um, that's I think I that's think, my that's my winner. <laughs> I think another anime, and I know I I can't really say this to people because people might hate me. Um, an anime that I'm really like neutral about is Full Metal Alchemist. Um, the, the I watched that in what's up? The original or yes, uh, Brotherhood yes. or both? Not not Brotherhood. The the original. Right. Um, when I first read it, like it's not not read it. Sorry, watched it. It was really good and then i rewatched it again when i was 21 and i got the vibe of like they were just like pulling these really devastating things just for the sake of it and i don't like when things do that that's what I'm i felt with japan totally things. with you yeah like it's it's just I, if you want me to be sad there has to be some sort so of like thing going on have you watched brotherhood i did i did okay. i actually even finished it but i had the exact same feeling you did about the original FMA and um, my partner, in fact, I'm looking at an FMA brotherhood wall scroll right now. Uh, my partner really, really loves brotherhood. So she was like, we got to watch it. We haven't finished it, but I found like halfway through brotherhood um, that we're just bad about finishing things. That's why it's taken so long, but <laughs> I found about halfway through brotherhood to, that, that it kind of fixed that for me to a degree um, just by kind of condensing things and making them more like, things are just happening um, mm-hmm. rather than the sort of drawn out. There's just so much filler in the original FMA, which is like a problem with a lot of nineties anime, I think. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Like the so, only. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was actually going to ask what your, what your answer was. Cause I have one other one that might, that will assuredly anger at least one person on this show. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so this, I, I don't know if there's anything more recent than this. But I feel like my stock answer has to be Inuyasha, um, which was my big love when I was in middle school. And so I still have, like, some affection for it. But it's, like, it's one of those shows where I feel like if they had condensed it into, like, a single 30-episode season and not done all of the, oh, no, the jewel broke again, we have to restart the whole thing nonsense. Like, I feel like it could have been a pretty good show. But it's just so long and so unnecessarily long. So I, that's that's one of those where I think it, it did not need to be this like very very long shonen anime. It seems like the commonality is just that like the super long drawn out like the only one of those that I like a lot in retrospect still is Dragon Ball Z, and I think that there's like just reams of criticism you could level at Dragon Ball Z along a similar vein, but it's just so nostalgic for me that I can still watch every episode of that show and be like, this is sick as fuck. But um, (laughs) (laughs) the one that I have that is, I almost uh, bought that $300 collector's edition they put out a few years ago. (laughs) I wouldn't have blamed you. Um, The the one that I think that is very controversial and I want to be clear is an objectively really, really good show. I I already know Uh, what you're saying. I know you probably already know what I'm going to say. It's objectively a really good show, but when it was shown to me, I was like, this is way too complex for me right now. I just want to get high and watch some people fist fight in like an anime was Steins Gate. <laughs> um, when I watched that, I was like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. And nobody warned me that this was going to be a thing that I need to like pay super close attention to <laughs> and like take notes and have like a, fucking like string chart set up in this basement to figure out 
Um, so it actually put me super far off of it, and I've never gotten back to finishing it or playing the game, which is something I will hopefully eventually rectify because it is technically installed on my Switch and has been for a long time. But uh, that is one that I wanted to bring up because I thought it would make Alex mad. That's all. <laughs> I had to watch that three times. My third time, I did like it because, um, yeah, it was very complex and I didn't think it was going to be that way. It is clearly excellent. It's, <laughs> like, it's good. It is clearly I, I, very high quality in every way. But when yeah. I first watched it, and I wasn't like, this sucks. I could tell that clearly there was quality there. But I was just like, I don't have the capacity to deal with this right now. I just got off of work, and a friend invited me over to watch some anime. And now we're watching this thing, and it's so complicated. Yeah, and we could totally have a whole nother conversation. Cheese brought it up in our chat, saying it would be interesting to hear what's an overrated anime from the fix folks, but also we've been doing this for a while now. So, oh God. And I, I have a very, I have two very easy ones. One we've already talked about Evangelion, and the other one for me is fully Cooley, but I agree with this, with, with that for sure. Yeah. But uh, we got that good. It's a good, good meme of Winnie the Pooh hitting the, uh, hitting the meteor with the baseball bat because of Winnie the Pooh's home run derby. So <laughs> Fuli Cooley is objectively good because of that. It, it's got style and it's got weird, but it's not very good. I anyway, I've not I, watched it since I was like a teenager, so well, I, I can't accurately comment. My answers are always just that there's certain things that I think get so outsized. It's not that the original thing is not good. It's mm-hmm. that sometimes things get so blown out of like the fandom gets so like for example frozen i think one punch man is a really really great show i think it's good like it's it's very good i know people that are like will say that like one punch man is one of the best pieces of media ever conceived that is Uh, an exaggeration (laughs) that's a little much maybe Um, a little bit that's usually where my (laughs) answers to those questions fall is like what is the thing that I think is actually very good and deserves praise, but is maybe not white is still maybe a little overrated. What are the Beatles of anime? Is, is oh no. <laughs> Monty, uh, is that's it, such is, a cursed sentence. I don't want to hear that ever. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I guess b- before we move on to our next segment, Monty, do you have any overrated ones that are like, Oh, everybody loves this, but I'm just like, Ugh. Oh man. Um, okay, let's see. So Full Metal Alchemist is one. Um sure. that's one that was like eh, but some ones that I don't like. You guys were eh about Sword Art, but I don't I don't like Sword Art. It's very pretty. I love their it character designs. Pretty. It's very pretty, it's beautifully designed, but I don't like the story. I, a lot of um Isekai ones are kinda like half and half on. Um Sure. So with like Kanosuba, Kanosuba, I really is Kanosuba Isekai. Yeah, I forget. No, it's totally. not. It's not. Um, I, but I think a, it is. a lot of, <laughs> I think so. I forget. I've watched that like two years ago. Um, I just remember Aqua being like really sassy, and I loved her. Oh, we're trying um, to get her voice actress on the show. Anyways, really? Yes. Fame out, I come on the show, please. Listen to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of some, but yeah, I guess with the Sakai ones, I'm kind of like half and half on something recent that people really like. I'm going to say something that I'm neutral and I think is kind of overrated. I think is Kiki's delivery service. Um, I think it's very cute. 
Is it interesting to me? No, it's not. Um, I feel like that kind of drags out a lot. I know my best friend feels that way with like my neighbor Totoro. Um, I think it's definitely more geared towards children, but um, for me, people really love it and talk about it and I can understand completely why, but for me, so I'm good with like one watch for the rest of my life. So I'm, I'll leave my final thought here. Then Andre can make the sickest segue in the history of, of the podcast history. Um, I don't think Totoro holds up as an adult either. <laughs> Even <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's objectively super fucking awesome. As an adult, it's maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just haven't watched Totoro or Kiki as an adult, and I don't know if I ever will because I just have these childhood memories yeah. in my head. So I'm just like, you know, I will keep those close to my heart. I don't know if I necessarily need to reevaluate it as an adult. Both of those to me fall into the category that I was describing of objectively very good things that I know people who like structure their lives around sometimes. And it's like, okay, (laughs) this is a lot. They're very good, but, um, but, but like it's, it's, they're, they're not as, they're not like the best, the best things ever made or anything. And some people I definitely think treat them with as a lot of the, a lot of the Ghibli stuff you did and do just this is a feast for the eyes, like and, you know, and the senses. Where e- like even if the story isn't like the best, it's just like it's a visual auditory treat. Like I don't yeah. like the wind rises. I think that's out of the Miyazaki I've seen. That's like by far my least favorite because I think it. Like I don't. I like the more fantastical stuff. And that doesn't have any of it, but it does like it's got great art and great audio audio design. But uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it, and we're gonna move on. Cowboy Bebop <laughs> overrated. No, nope, you're wrong. Uh, and no, I've never <laughs> seen Cowboy true. Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> That's Cowboy Bebop is the one of those that I think could fit my description, but actually just earns it because <laughs> it's so I, good. But Samurai Shampoo. Anyways, um, <laughs> Cowboy oh Bebop is the doors. Of well, anime. I'm going to I'm we're going <laughs> to we're going to ease in to our usual game talk with an anime game. Because Allison, once I mean, again, the planes don't have anime eyes. Not yet, not but yet. they could if they Sorry. if they just listened to playground games, they could have anime eyes on the planes. But no, we're talking about Persona 5 Royale once again. Yes, we're here to kill God. We are old anime uh, standby. It is. I have to say, I um, so I got to the ending of um, Persona Five, and I'm now in the third semester um, Royal kind of post game content. Uh, I have to say, I love that that JRPG trope of going from like struggling to kill the weakest of enemies to being like. Yeah, I can take on God. So I, With I, I very much appreciate that. And there's something, yeah. There's something weird to me about like taking on God with a sword. That's okay. That makes sense. You, you gotta, if you're gonna fight God, you gotta fight God with like a sword, a melee weapon. But then you come at God with a gun. That just <laughs> that doesn't seem okay to me. That's, there's something perverse about that. No, I love it. I'm into it. I mean, I'm into I, it. It's just it doesn't seem right. Okay, so Allison, when you took on God, who was yes. in your party? Oh gosh, um, I mean, they're all in your party because you can. 
can rotate out because that's the big part. Oh yeah, you're right. You can. Also, while you're thinking about that, one of the things that I love about JRPGs as a genre is like I don't particularly want to get Persona Five spoilers because I think I might play it someday. Yeah, and and I want to avoid them. But 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 what I love is you can say, um, you fight God at the end, and that is never a spoiler for a JRPG. See, that's the thing. (laughs) I was worried about spoiling it in our chat earlier this week. And I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, is it spoilery to say you like? I'm like, okay, no, it's it's, no, it's JRPG. not a spoiler at all. No, especially for the Persona or Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah, that, yeah, that is that whole game. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think and we even yeah. talked. Kirby, Kirby fights God in his games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Kirby it's, is. It's like- <laughs> you heard it here first. Kirby is a JRPG. <laughs> oh shit! I'm surprised they haven't made a Kirby JRPG. Kirby merchandise. <laughs> I've got I've got uh, a Waddle Dee and two Kirby's behind me. <laughs> this is, that is not even all the Kirby's in my apartment. No, also no, got some Dragon not. Ball figures back there. Oh my god! Anyways, fighting God. Oh, so, but yeah, even without the party, like, how, how is the new semester content? Because that's like kind of the appeal of the Royal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's really good. I'm actually really. I uh, never actually finished uh, OG Persona 5. Like, I got pretty far into it, but for whatever reason, I just didn't finish it. But uh, from what I understand, uh, and this, this, I feel like this is both good and I don't know how I feel about it, is I really don't know how the ending of Persona 5 OG would be satisfying. If it's what I think it we can would be. talk about it. We can talk yeah. about it off air. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, it wasn't particularly satisfying, though. I will say that <laughs> I was fine with it. It, it was fine, but I was kind of done but, with the game because I think the la- like basically after the the section you talked about last time, Alice, and the Okamura stuff. Mm-hmm. Basically, everything after that I thought was way too drawn out. Like it the, really is. It's flawed. The cruise ship and, level, oh, the, the cruise and then like level. the is that, and then the yeah, like the, the last of, kind of stretch uh, like up until you kill God. Of, is that deeper part of Mementos or whatever? I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that part. Yeah. Like those two sections, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so they were way too long, and that was a hassle. But it, it's I wanted it's, more. Yeah, it's 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 very weird because I I'm also at the point with uh with the game where I uh I like all my social stats are completely maxed right now. So I'm kind of just like uh, trying to get as many of my uh confidant ranks up as possible, but it just feels like I don't know, there's less options for me right now because I'm like Oh, it could go somewhere and up this social stat, but that's been maxed for the past several weeks. So, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's totally fair, and I think that some of the I don't know how you would do it differently, but some of the final, some of the big bosses near the end are kind of just tedious and not fun. Mostly because there's not a lot of strategy beyond okay, let's you have to maintain your party's health and just chip away at their uh, at their uh, HP. 
because like well because it's like they don't want to make any of the like some of these later bosses super like they don't want to make them weak to anything and you can't do any sort of status effects like you can't put them to sleep or you can't do uh like have them forget things um so that they can't do skills so they're just immune to that so you just kind of have to do your biggest damage of things and try really hard to beat it so it was just kind of like some of those final battles i'm just like i get it you know that i'm high enough level to be here just let me win but um but that said i think that the uh third semester stuff is really is genuinely some really interesting um story and character moments uh, to the point where i'd be really i don't want to say you guys should play it because it's i am past 100 hours now but i i'd be interested to talk about it with with people because i it's really i think it's really doing some interesting things um especially with some of the characters uh, the one thing I, I will say, though, is that uh, I did not know until I looked it up, and I'm glad I did, that to unlock the um, third semester content, which which you need to unlock for to basically have the true ending and true story stuff, you need to um, max out your confidant with one of the new characters. And if you don't, you just get the standard ending and i was like oh i did not know that so i just had to like those fuckers so i just had to like (sighs) make sure that i'm just like talking to him like constantly being like hey so uh can i let's let's uh up our confidant rank and and do this um and and the other new character is like has a really genuinely really interesting story but also you have to uh max their confidant rank before the third semester like granted um i don't think this is a spoiler because you see it at the start of like your confidant with her you can only get your confidant with her up to five um before the new semester uh but you have to get it up to that five. Otherwise you just don't get that story content. So there's just like a lot of stuff where I'm like, you know, it would have been nice for them to be like, Hey, you really should talk to these people more. Otherwise hmm. you won't get that content. That's that really sucks. Like that. If you're, and it like makes sense in it's makes sense in universe because the third semester really is based off of, the stuff that is sure. discussed in that in that confidant like discussions but yeah that's that's it, my frustration it, with it, yeah sorry go ahead it just make, it makes sense on a story level but i was just like i'm gl- man i'm glad that i uh decided to google hey what are the uh requirements yeah. for the third semester because otherwise i would um have played 90 plus hours of this game and still not gotten yeah, new stuff. That's, that's a lot of why I like as a, the last per I didn't, I played persona four golden straight through um, and really loved it. But I was also in a place where, and I'm not saying that um, there's plenty of people everywhere who do this and this, and it's fine. And for this reason, persona is really good for those people. But 
when I was in college, I pretty much just played like a couple of free to play multiplayer games. And then I would have like one single player game that I played for like a year. And so Persona 4 Golden was great for that because I could like drop back, save scum, like try different social link stuff out and put like tons of time into it. But now as somebody who doesn't really have like I play a lot of different things and I don't have hundreds of hours to devote to one game unless it's like a multiplayer thing I'm playing with friends anyway. It sounds so stressful to me <laughs> to have to manage all that stuff in, in Persona 5. And yeah. it's part of why I didn't play through it when I, I played the first like 10 hours maybe. And then I was like, I'm already having analysis paralysis and how I want to deal with these like different character interactions and who I want to max out my confidant rank with and stuff. And like, that was what I just got anxious about playing the game because I no, felt I like I was going to like FOMO myself on something and it, yeah. So that's frustrating to hear that. That's yeah, like I get that too. And content. I mean, I try to, um, like what I, what I really tried to do with playing this game in general to get past that, because I have the exact same feeling when you get past any of the, all of the, um, tutorial stuff and it really opens up and you can do basically whatever you want. Uh, so I definitely had that like, Oh, what if I miss things, miss things or do something wrong where I was just going to focus on the confidants and the characters that I thought were interesting and try to, uh, make it work otherwise. So I thought that was, that was largely working for me and that's largely worked, especially since by the time that I got to the end of the game, I'm, very close to maxing out most of my confidants um, and that's good to have hear. maxed out the ones that I really cared about. So I, and I'm I like max social stats. So I feel like it's, it definitely gives you enough time to do. That's good. That makes things. me a little less nervous about that. Yeah. It, it's just one of those things where I'm like, man, if you're going to gate content based yeah, off of yeah. um, one of these, which it totally makes sense in, in, in uh, story, maybe you should, be a little bit more uh, insistent about that it. I like put a tutorial thing up on the screen, even that says like, "Hey, content." At the maybe end of the game Morgana, or maybe yeah. Morgana should just stop telling me to go to bed all the time. That's true. God, Morgana still tells you to go to bed in third semester stuff, and I'm like, Morgana, I swear to God, I thought that we I, were done I, with the, this. What God? You killed God. Oh, that's yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, Morgana, did that I, turns you as a swear to me. Did I though? It's <laughs> I. I do think that the, the character and story and stuff that's new to Royal is really, really interesting. So I do think that it's mm-hmm. worth it to play. It's just, it's just the, the one of those things where I was like, man, I am so glad that I looked that up because so, otherwise, I wait, don't is know. Your name is your mom's name, Martha. In that game, is that what it? Oh, Wait, what? What? <laughs> you made a Batman Damn reference. It. You made a Batman no, reference. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Uh yeah, you kill Superman and uh anyway. Uh it seems like so with the stuff you're saying about needing to build up the confidant link with this new character, it seems like it's kind of targeted towards like people who played the original. I think because, I, I, I absolutely think like who so. want to see new content because like if you're a new player, you might not think to like, okay, well, I want to see everything that this character offers. It is, and then you miss out on that whole like other part of the game. It's which so is, wild to me that 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 they built a thing that was like, hey, you played this hundred plus hour JRPG two years ago. 
play it yeah. again now. Yeah. I'm, it, that's that's what they should have. But it. but it's also buy an entire new game, and again, they should have made yeah, this DLC. So, but it's so weird because it's one of those. It's it's something where they've updated enough content and they've changed enough things, and um, a lot of the story is updated. So you can't just have it be like here's a twenty dollar DLC that you play at the end of the at the end of Persona oh, Five because sure. it's it's built into. Like, the, the, the royal experience is built into the entire game. But at the same time, it is like, hey, buy another $60 game after you bought $60 worth of content. I don't it's think very it's, weird. Yeah, I don't think it would be unreasonable for them to say, if you get this DLC to use it, you need to start a new game. Like, that's right. okay, that's fair. Or, like, start a new game plus, something like that. But to have to buy a whole new game and start completely from scratch... Like, I don't want to play that game from zero ever again. Like, I've got a New Game Plus save. Why can't I use that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I I think it's, 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 it's very interesting because I think I'm really loving it. And I mean, I mean, to get to this point in this game, I'd have to kind of love it. Um, But I do think that there is this aspect that's a little bit iffy um and and it makes it it kind of it's it's a real shame because i think that otherwise it's it's such a great game but there's just yeah yeah i started playing royale i didn't play the original um i went straight to royale when it came out um my friend Mm -hmm. matt got it for me and it's it's a lot. The game is really cool. So I started my first persona was Persona Three. Um, that is still my favorite persona. Um, <laughs> I love Persona Three. It is it's canonically so the best persona. It's so good. I love it so much. Um, and then Persona Four came out. I think while I was in college, um, and I loved it too. It was great. I, I love Yukiko. I love Chie. They're great, great characters. Um, and then five, I stepped into kind of like, kind of a new thing. I know with Persona Three, it's kind of based in the city, um, but kind of comparative city graphics from then to now is really cool to compare with Royale. Um, I really, really liked it. And there's definitely like you know the little like chips and dents of like JRPGs and like it's like little problems here and there. But I've been really liking it. Um, I haven't been playing it, but that's because I'm playing Parkasaurus right now, which is like a dinosaur uh, roller coaster tycoon kind of game. Oh, yeah. Okay, and this sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very good. Allison, I'll send you a link. It is very Bless fun. You. <laughs> I'll send you a link. It is, is it a, it's a, like a lot of fun, but I haven't been playing Royale. Um, but from what I played, I think I put into 40 hours into it. Um, mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. I really liked it. I Atlas games are always a big hit or miss for me. Um, one year, I'll really love Atlas. Another year, I'm just like, what are you fucking doing? That sort of thing. Um, kind of with like the second Catherine, but that's just a whole other conversation. But um, Oh, God. I Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I... I, I been really liking it. I kind of just keep comparing it to Persona 3, and then now it's just making me want to play Persona 3 again. Um, I think it's more so because I want to hear that, like, really funky music, but we'll see. Oh, it's, 
I mean, well, the music in five is also really good. That that's the like across the board. All these games do really good music. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, Shoji mm-hmm. Maguru. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned it on. A, I don't know when the they said it, but uh, Sega said they were going to put more old games out on PC yep. because Persona Four Golden did so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll probably see, see Persona Three on PC Please. next year eventually because they've got to port it, but. Great. Assuming they didn't throw away the source code like so many game developers in oh, the past. Fingers crossed. I will disappear if that ever comes out. No one will hear from me for a month. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What do we got here? What do we got here on the docket next up? Allison, I will say Parkasaurus is eligible for game of the year. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'll send it to you later, Allison. It's, uh, it's so much fun. I kept playing it last night. <laughs> I, well, I yeah, uh, I think I definitely need to get this. <laughs> um Oh well, yeah, this looks rad. Alex, hey. you've got a mystery game? Yeah. So there is oh, man. Like, yes. like, there, it's there like a is... random number generator and it's no. just like a new game's gonna pop no, out. No, he's been playing so, a game. Yeah, Allison is the only one on the call other than me who knows what it is. I I the almost like very shortly after I started playing it, I messaged Allison being like, okay, at least w- I need to be able to talk about this with one person. And okay. Allison seemed the most neutral about the thing I've been playing. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So I have two hints and uh, okay. I'm going to give you guys two hints so you can try and guess what game it is. And they should be pretty easy hints, I think, for y'all because you know me pretty well, except for Monty. Sorry. These other chuckleheads and I have been doing this for like years now, so they'll probably know a little better. But okay, you got y'all ready for these hints? All right. So here's your here's your uh, your your video game Jeopardy kind of. Um, so f- one, it's from a series I don't really care about, and two, it's from a genre I actively dislike. Marvel heroes, Marvel, Marvel champions, Marvel. A, what is, what's this? What? Good, no longer, a, no longer a, functioning Marvel video game. Guess. That's a good guess, but no. Um, Pat, uh, it's, uh, what's Destiny uh, Two? Nope. Also a good, good guess. Uh, Halo: The Master Chief Collection. <laughs> also a good guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, these are Pokemon Sun and Moon. I've played Pokemon Sun and Moon. <laughs> it's no, that's okay, not the well, what game. is it? What do you? All right, yeah, I'm not going to leave you guessing for too much longer. It is um MMORPG from the developers Square Enix. Oh, Final, Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, I'm playing Final Fantasy 14: A Realm Reborn. Honestly, that's how many it's, hours I mean, it's free it so to far. level six, 60 now, so. Yeah. Yeah, so uh yeah no i've been on record on this podcast as saying i really don't like mmos um because this seems i'm on brand for you i don't know this is not yeah. surprising to me at all no, yeah <laughs> like i i don't like mmos though like i have an mmo history and uh like i also have been on record as saying i don't like games that are just busy work which is why um, oh, i'm sorry. actually glad you're playing this because i have a friend who i love dearly one of my oldest and closest friends who has wanted me to play ff14 I played a fair amount of that game. I finished the base story originally, but then I never went back and I need to replay it because I don't remember anything. Um, And he like wants me to play it with him so much. And I said, 
they're streamlining the story later this year, from what I understand, and maybe I'll check it out then. And then I don't it's know like, if it's this year, but it, it's, it is. They've done it. It's done. Okay. This, this yeah. happened. And so he was like, well, they've did it. So when are you, are you installing? Are you going to play this weekend? And I was like, <laughs> nope, not. I don't know when I'm going to play it, but someday. So yeah, um, I was kind of inspired by other people, but it wasn't like friends, close friends. I was watching the dialogue like Julia Lee over uh, from Polygon has been talking about it nonstop, just hyping the game up for a super long time. Uh, and it, it it's, at, it's just a point right now in kind of the release cycle of video games where I just, there's nothing coming out that I really care about. And I was like, well, why not just throw a couple hours at this thing and see what happens? And so, yeah, there's Julia A couple Lee. hours. Yeah, uh, it should be noted at the time of recording, I've now put in about 30 hours, no, 28 hours. Yeah. And because I started like shortly after our recording last week. Um, And the other person who had a big influence on this is uh, Ashley O from GameSpot because she actually started right around the same time I did. So (laughs) uh, it's been interesting. Um, I think I'm feeling way more positive about the game than I thought I would because, like you said, they have been streamlining the story. and the story is actually pretty interesting. Like, yeah, it's good. Like the the like the part I'm at is the whole thing is kind of about like colonialism mm-hmm. and yeah, like yeah. refugees and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? That's not they, what I was expecting. They fall into some shitty tropes at times about the like savage beast men shit that is like yeah. awful and really tiring. But they kind of go back on that and sort of like smooth that out a little bit at times and then generally yes it's a it's all it's about imperialism and colonialism and and um like not uh, all beast man well unfortunately <laughs> that is sort of the way that they that they go about that storyline yep. um, which sucks but in general as mmo stories go it is far more interesting than i don't know any other mmo i can think of yeah like yeah i've been surprised by a cool story otherwise yeah, like the other MMOs I've tried, I I tried WoW. My roommate in college gave me a 10-day trial for WoW, and I played one day and said, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> then I tried Riders of Icarus with a friend for like 12 or 13 hours, and it was okay. But then we both stopped playing, and just I had no desire to go back. And Guild Wars 2 I played for with the what same what friend. What about RuneScape, baby? Uh, never got into it. Got that RuneScape premium <laughs> or whatever. I guess Guild Wars is pretty cool. I was going to say, yeah. you don't have the best cross-section of the genre if you went from WoW to Riders of Icarus. <laughs> Probably not. I can recognize that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Guild, Guild Wars, Wars 2, generally... was, it was fine, but then I got to yeah. a bunch of jumping puzzles and was like, I'm good. Um, you know, but, you know um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, so I don't know if I'll say that much about Final Fantasy XIV because I want to try and get to the end of the story. My goal, which is... a probably an impossible goal but whatever is i want to see the near content um like the yorha stuff I mean, which is apparently through like, like at the very end two more expansion or like three more expansions yeah it's like the and current a lot of content it's the current like level cap raid basically yeah. so it's like that's yeah. gonna probably take me a month so i don't want to talk about it too much right now if you're uh, lucky a month is a is optimistic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah if you're if that's all you do i guess um, i believe yeah. in alex i think you can do it in a month yeah we'll see what happens you've put but, a like, lot of hours into it in this past week though yeah i've been sending allison yeah. so many screenshots mainly because uh, my character's i, I just name. wonder if you'll burn out that's my issue uh, with that game 
whenever I go yeah, back to it. I, I've actually found it. I'll, I'll come back to the screenshots I've been sending Allison, but I found it to be because, like, again, I don't like busy work games. Like, my issue with WoW was like, oh, do this one quest for this one person. They're like, okay, now go across the continent and talk to well, this person and do this thing. It takes oh, me you'll hour. get there. Well, <laughs> oh, well but, but like, <laughs> there is like, a whole section of uh, 14 that is just that. Not, I, yeah, don't, but the, I don't know the, if there is the, now. Anyway. Maybe not anymore. There was. But like the thing is, like with that one, it would take like half an hour to run across the world because like there wasn't fast travel or anything at, at the point I played it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you get to the other person like, oh, great, thank you. And that's like five lines of dialogue. And it's like, oh, now can you go back? And I'm like, I don't want to spend another half an hour doing this. Fuck that. Because <laughs> this is the time in my life when that's like, if I'm playing a game, I'm fully concentrating on it. And mm-hmm. like, I just, no. And Do you like, like Final Fantasy games in general? No. I mean, I'm fine mm-hmm. with them, but I don't really care about them. Um, mm. But like with Final Fantasy 14, like you get lots of options for moving fast you get lots of fast travel like there's lots of points you can fast travel to um like you can get the airships to just quickly go to another region you can use the boats and all that like you can use the the ethernet which i thought was the fucking worst pun in the world but i love it um and stuff like that so like it did solve a lot of those problems for me and it is a good podcast game and this is gonna sound weird and don't tell my employer um i've been playing it during meetings because what I'll do is I, I sometimes used to do this where I would play games like Sudoku or something while I'm trying to concentrate on something else because it's just something mm-hmm. relatively mindless and it yep. stops me from going to like Reddit yep. or Twitter or whatever. Yep. It's like I'm kind of doing this mindless thing so I'm actually actively focusing on what's being said to me. And Final mm-hmm. Fantasy fourteen has kind of taken that role where I'm treating it like a clicker and just making numbers go up and like that's what I'm... Mm-hmm focusing on but while listening to the other stuff going on it's like oh yeah this is working really well for that and Mm. also you're getting a kind of interesting story what class are you playing uh i'm an arcanist Arcanist. you pick one of the more interesting classes to play for sure yeah Um, you get a summon it's it's like a little fox thing which is pretty rad Um, (laughs) um are you finding one thing that i'm so um i want to get back to it one thing and i actually need to i misspoke earlier i didn't finish the first game story but i got almost to the end of it i played Mm -hmm. a lot of it and hit the cap and stuff um when it first came out when the realm reborn first came out um are you finding that there is a uh an extent that you have to do a lot of side stuff to stay leveled with no story that's not at all so what's happening right now is that that yeah, what I've I've purely been doing story stuff, and cool. I've not had to grind in any way, um, cool. because what they're doing, I think, in celebration of Shadowbringers, is they're doubling XP up until level seventy. So, uh, so it's not every server does that, or at least it wasn't the case when I was playing last year when Shadowbringers came out. Some servers were like low population ones. Maybe. So maybe you're yeah. on one of those, but yeah, Possible. that's, it's very yeah. handy. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Like I'm playing on a Japanese server cause I'm playing with a friend, uh, who is in Asia and that's the server they chose. And yeah, no, it's being able to just go through the story and not have to think about doing any side stuff has been wonderful. That's good. So, cause so, there's some interesting stuff in the side. Of no, stuff, there, there is, but it, it's, it's more like the, the way to play that game. I think if you could would be to go through the story and then if, you hear like, oh, there's an interesting side quest here. You can go back and do it mm-hmm. with another sure. class yeah. or something to level it up. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, the, what I've been finding entertaining, as I was just alluding to earlier, is sending Allison all these screenshots, which now I can send to the group chat because now the cat is out of the bag. Because my character name is uh, Hanyu, named after the character from Higurashi, and then last name Brendan Fraser. And yes. sometimes they will just <laughs> okay. address you as Brendan Fraser. <laughs> and I am really good. I am on a Brendan Fraser kick recently, so that Same. sounds good to me. Uh, and then my Chocobo's name is Fuckboy420, and oh my God. it's 420 is spelled out with letters because they don't let you put numbers. So, <laughs> Danica Harad has uh, her Final Fantasy 14 name is Minecraft Uzumaki. Yes, which is very good, and it's great that because she'll good. post on Twitter like, "Here's just here's some screenshots of Minecraft." And it's actually her, her <laughs> fantasy character. And she's like a brilliant in-game photographer in that game. So they're always really good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, there's lots we can talk about with that game. But I think we can kind of spread that over a couple episodes because I'm probably yeah. that's probably going to be my game next week, too. So I'm going to check it out this week. Um, I'm it's dangerous for me to do so because said friend will be like, why aren't we playing now? Why aren't we playing now? Why aren't we playing? <laughs> Did you finish work? Because you could log in and we could play now. And um. <laughs> It's going to, uh, it is, it is not as important to me as finishing my modern warfare battle pass. So yeah, last, (laughs) last thing I'll say, uh, I am playing on PC and I'm actually playing with the PS4 controller and the experience has been pretty good. Yeah. It it, it runs well well with a controller. Yeah. Like it, it took a little bit, there was a bit of a learning curve because they don't really tutorialize anything, but once you get it figured out, like how to use the hot bars and stuff, it's pretty smooth. For some reason, last year I wanted to play it on PlayStation, and I don't know why that was the case. <laughs> That's like, where I played it last year. Well, but my PlayStation is hooked up to the same display as my PC, and for some reason, I got on the idea of, well, I'm going to get it on PlayStation as well on sale so that I can play it on PlayStation or on PC, and I don't know why I did that. I mean, I spent like ten dollars on it because it was I, on sale. There, I remember us we, having we, this conversation I talked about it with 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 you and with Sam. I was, yeah. and I don't for the I can't for the life of me remember why I had that because it's cross play. It's, it's cross save. I don't know why it's, I wanted to do that. <laughs> it's, I, it's maybe really did it have to do with like your Chocobo Net account or something? No, and it was like, a it was okay. a convenience thing. I thought that like I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was that I okay. wanted to play it with a controller wirelessly, um, which <laughs> yeah, is hard maybe. to do with my PC because my Bluetooth sucks. But I, I don't know. I'm gonna installing it on PC now. I'm not gonna <laughs> play it on PlayStation. But yeah. Anyways, that's t- that's this week's Final Fantasy 14 update. I'm sure we'll have more of them. Mm-hmm. About one year since our last update on it, probably. So. <laughs> We'll come back in the summer of 2021, assuming we're all still here to hear about more yeah. Final Fantasy 14 yeah. after Japan is and next week. Oh God, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it says here you got a rant. Oh yeah, oh, do you want to go oh, into that's that? Right. All right, I, I sure. Don't know. Do you, I'll, I don't, do I'll it, give it. A, I'll give how? it just like five minutes. Okay. 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 That sounds we'll like say, we'll good. say we'll say we'll put a timer that's, on it or I'm, something. I'm making a timer. Yeah. All right, let me just write it down on our show notes so that I also have a timer. I'm going to hit start in three, two, one. Okay, your five minutes have started. All right, so I was talking with another anonymous podcaster um, who we are associated with. So that does narrow things down a little bit, but I'm not going to say who. It was (laughs) via DMs and stuff like that, so it's nothing public. So it could be one of like four people. 
No, no, no. It's it's some people we haven't had on the show. So okay, boom. Um, that narrows it down even more, doesn't it? Damn. Oh well. Um, it really does. They were talking about um, their game of the year debates and how they want to do them this year, and they were having a specific conversation about what they want to exclude from their game of the year debates. And I was like, well, that's fine. Like, yeah, I think it's reasonable to do that. And one of their criteria was that they don't want any games where the studios have crunch culture. And my immediate reaction was, whoa, okay. There's two things there that you, it's not, not going to work. For one... You're going to have two games yeah, on that that's list. My yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no studio that does not have crunch culture. <laughs> like, I that is... Know it's no it's true i mean like major I work, studio for sure uh, and indie studios like i i, I think that just across, I, I know of indie studios that claim that they don't at least but sure. i i By genuinely doubt it as like someone who's been working as a software developer for the past six years everywhere has crunch culture even a little bit like we work in sprints which is two week two week things which is meant to cut down on crunch but it just means you have like one or two days of crunch every couple of weeks rather than like three months of crunch all at once. And like crunch is just inherent to the industry. Um, like it's, it's impossible to get around. And the other point and the point of contention that I had, uh, I don't even know how to get into it. <laughs> just do it. You got this. We might have to come back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's certainly an argument okay. about it is challenging to say, like, I think if it's, I'm not in software development. Um, in, in my job, we occasionally, very rarely, almost never, but very occasionally we will crunch. Um, I work in marketing for a retailer and around holidays, for example, there are times when I'll work some extra hours. Nothing yeah. like software developers do to crunch. Um, I never have worked more than like 55 or 60 hours in a week at this job. Um, I would say if it truly is the case that literally it is impossible to make a video game without crunching, then the fundamentally we need to seriously adjust the way that video games are produced because mm-hmm. I don't really yeah. find that an acceptable state. Um, not so much as an argument with you, but I do think that that, so from that perspective, I understand why they, why this group would feel that way. Yeah. There's a complicated I've- issue of, it doesn't necessarily serve the developers who put tons of extra time and work into their product that's, to not acknowledge the work that they did. That's kind um, of the sec- that's kind of the crux yeah. of my second point, where it can come across as a little bit dismissive of all the extra work that these people put in. Like, if you are a worker who really believes in it, indie AAA doesn't matter. Like, you might be a master at your craft, and like there are multiple resources that you have to work from. Like, you have uh, budget, you have you know the limits of the equipment that you have available to you, the throughput of your artists, uh, your programmers, sure. whatever. Um, and then the biggest time constraint, which is the existential one that we all have, is time. And like time is very much a resource, and it's one that we all have to deal with, uh, especially in development. Like we want to get something out there at some point. Like let's let's get the Necrobarista team on here and talk about how they delayed their game by three years yeah. because they kept, you know, they didn't want to deal with that, um, and like how that has affected them. Like I've talked a little bit with Damon about it, and like they've expressed like yeah, it's rough on the brain. 
Um, but yeah, it feels dismissive and kind of shitty to say like, okay, um, I'm one of the programming engineers over that worked on The Last of Us too, and uh, that game is going to be cut from a game of the year discussion because yeah, there's crutch culture. Yeah, it was publicized. Yeah, like all this stuff. But like those people put in that much time because they care about it. And I think to dismiss it from a conversation is pretty crappy if that's the reason. There's other reasons that you can, like, yeah. other valid reasons that you can totally dismiss a game, like, and including studio culture. Like, if we want to talk about the Rocksteady thing later or, yeah. uh, like, active abuse from management. But I don't think crunch is something that people should dismiss a game for. I would say it's a little bit dangerous. This is largely refers to AAA development, not so much, um, like, indie development. But it's a little bit dangerous to say that they worked and put so much time into it because they were passionate about it. Because yeah, I think that's you the can thing be, that and my sticking point too. You can be manipulated into whether it's because of um, you know financial reasons, healthcare reasons, whatever it is, to feeling trapped in a project and kind of be forced to crunch in it. I though the time that I really had crunch was when I worked in IT. And we were a small company and there was a sort of culture of like, you should care about this. You should be passionate about this. You're not crunching because we're telling you we're, you're crunching because you're passionate. And it was like, no, I wasn't. But there was like a culture that that just like screamed that at you so that eventually you kind of were manipulated into feeling that way. So I think it's dangerous sometimes to it's all part of conversation, right? I don't necessarily think it's necess- it's a part of. It should be a part of criticism to talk about those things, but I also don't wouldn't exclude something from a game of the year list because of it either. Um, yeah. So it's 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 tough, um, and I, and I think like it's a really complex conversation. And what's great is that we're having it where we never really did ten years ago. Um, so uh, that's, that's not the true. important thing. Well, I should say <laughs> in mainstream press, as someone who followed mainstream gaming press, Giant Bomb didn't talk about crunch culture ten years ago. I, that, that's more what I'm getting at. I will actually argue with that one because I've been listening to Bombcast from 10 years ago and they were talking about LA Noir and the Bandai Namco stuff. And Okay, cool. So like, well, then in that case, in that case, it's actually, <laughs> I, I'm going to flip my point then because it's really depressing that we're still here if it's been yes. 10 years that we've been talking about it. Yeah, and it, it, and it maybe, maybe exemplifies, now maybe I'm starting to be won over to the notion that perhaps uh, in a game of the year conversation that should come up. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the I, answer is. I think we should be empathetic to the developers behind the scenes as a developer behind the scenes. <laughs> However, I also think it should be like it should be celebrated the product that they put out. So I, I, I think I think the problem is that the feelings of developers often get weaponized on both sides of the conversation from a perspective. Right. Of, yeah. We can't celebrate this thing because it was hurt, harmful to these developers. But then also from a perspective of you can't be critical of it because they poured their heart and soul into it. And so it's like, hmm. I don't think that either of those perspectives necessarily <laughs> capture the argument as a whole. Totally. Um, and I will, I will point, I will point our listeners to our talk last week about into a dream. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, which, but, but which it's was, super complex. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a thing. I stopped the timer because yeah, it, Timer's over. It was. It stopped being a rant and started being more of a conversation. Yeah. Otherwise, um, we can go on for hours, as we've been known to do. So, Andre. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting Uh, topic, though. It's really important. So, I'm glad that you brought it up. Speaking of things that you can do for hours, 
you can wow. get lost in the in the deep blue sky in Microsoft Flight Simulator for you hours really get lost. and hours, or get lost in that install screen for hours and hours. Yeah. That's the, all that stuff is like it's a long ass install screen just like i had it worked for me and it still took a long ass time and i've got gigabit ethernet or internet yeah yeah the install for flight simulator is long it is but you do it once i don't know it oh yeah no no i was just impressed and then it's over (laughs) yeah i i I was just impressed because it's like 90 gigs uh like a download yeah and i was like oh i i can knock that out quick because gigabit gigabit internet and nope apparently I think not there's i think their servers got nailed because it went fast for me but i started downloading it like the second it came up live on steam and i, I so, did not do that but uh the next day it was ready for me by the morning i basically kicked it off and went yeah. to bed an hour later yeah. um everybody i saw the next day while i was playing was like oh my god this download is not moving <laughs> so i think maybe they got hammered yeah. on their download servers possibly, possibly. um which is wild because it's Microsoft and you would think they would not have yeah. that problem. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it's it's a neat thing. Yeah, yeah. Raise your hand if you've played a flight simulator. Before uh, or now. Great, great for a podcast. I, yeah. I haven't. I heard things about Flight Simulator this week. Yeah, and I haven't really been on the Twitters because of work, but um yeah. I someone sent me a meme that was just like new cyberbullying is taking <laughs> yep. a screenshot of your plane crashing into their house and sending yep. it to them. And oh, I don't know if that's like an actual thing that you can do in flight simulator. Oh, Does yeah. it work on like yeah. a real like I, map? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a it's a one-to-one they use Bing Maps data um to recreate the planet one-to-one, like everything. Um like I found there's a mix of photogrammic cities that are mm-hmm. um, there's 400 regions in the world that that Bing has literally mapped like the topography of buildings so they can pull their their elevation data. And it's taken from a combination of satellite and aerial photography. Mm-hmm. So like I live uh, just north of Seattle. So Seattle is a city that they have that photogrammic data for. So I was actually able to find my apartment and it is like it looks it's blotchy because it's meant to be viewed from way up in the air and it's based on photography from way up in the air, but it is um, like really, really accurate in terms of geometry down to the like trees in front of my apartment and stuff. Um, And then there's also not quite as accurate data where, so like I went to like my dad's house and he lives in a suburb town in Michigan and um the houses there are not photogrammic. It's more like they pulled, they have satellite imagery and then they kind of plop in a procedurally built house. However, they still do things like the roofs are all the right color because they have that satellite data and they're all physically in the right place. Every road is mapped. Every building ostensibly is mapped. There's certainly gaps in that here and there, but it's not like, especially in Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we can talk about that, but it's not like Euro Truck Simulator where you've got no, like no. a condensed version no, of it, it is the, the roads world. and maps. The intention, the reason that they do it, I mean, one, it's cool, but the other reason is when you're flying, there's two ways you can fly. Well, there's three, but there's VFR, which is visual flight rules, where you actually don't have any like navigation equipment other than your compass setup. So, 
you are literally flying by going like, oh, I know what that mountain is. I know what that building is. I know if I'm if I'm over this river right now, that means if I go north for ten miles, there's an airstrip that I'm land that I had planned to land at. And so the intention with this mapping of the world is so that you can fly that way, um, because every physical element of the world is modeled, and they nailed it and, for the most part. I mean, there's also, gaps, but also the visual fidelity is insanely good. Yeah, yeah. When you're zoomed if in, you've got really a graphics close, card that can run it. <laughs> yeah, it's when you're zoomed the, in. It's the new really, crisis. When you're zoomed in really close, things don't look like incredible, but. Um, there when and I think there are some people who were like, wait a minute, this doesn't look like the trailer. But that's also because they're running the trailers at like ultimate settings on 4K displays. So it's yeah. Um, but uh, but but by and large, I mean their their goals worked. And what I think I'm impressed the most by is I was wary of the world mapping data being the only thing about this piece of software that was like really felt next gen um, because, and, and my concern was, is this just going to feel like a layer of interactivity slapped on the maps app in windows 10? Um, and that's like, like Google earth VR, but with a plan. Right, right. And I'm very happy to say that that's not the case. I think like everyone has opinions um, in the simming community as to the fidelity and accuracy of different Sims. The Sims Main competition is X-Plane 11, which came out in yeah. 2017, um, which people generally like X-Plane 11 quite a lot. But and I have seen arguments that the, you know, there's all kinds of people like there are people who say Flight Simulator 2020 is fucking terrible. It's awful. It's the worst release of the sim ever. And you should just keep playing flights or X-Plane because it doesn't model anything accurately. And then also 20 year commercial airline pilots saying it's the most accurate sim ever created. So it's like it's hard to know where, where it really falls in that. But I can say from a sim enthusiast who has not really touched X-Plane, and I've always just played the Microsoft simulators, the way it models things like turbulence, where in the past it was just sort of like your plane shook around a little. Now you like almost feel it in the controls, even though it's just happening on the screen. And the way it models things like um, air traffic control interaction where it feels like you have to kind of know what you're doing, but it also sort of guides you along that path a little bit. And the way that it models um, the, the, the structure they've built too around, like it has a super easy flight plan creator where you say like, I want to fly out of this airport and I want to fly to this airport. And based on the plane you've selected and the way you set your fuel load out, it shows you the range you can manage with that aircraft and stuff a lot of that UI stuff is really, really, really good. Um, and so I think it makes it both super accessible in, in, and in some ways in both uses like lowercase and uppercase a accessibility. Um, Cause it is super adaptive to whatever kind of control system you want to use. And then also has a lot of assists and options that can help you. Um, and, uh, and then also feels really realistic to me as someone who has not flown a real aircraft. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a pretty stunning achievement, really. I, I, I'm pretty blown away by the whole thing. I know, uh, Andre, you have played it. Sorry, Monty. Yeah. Have a- oh, no, I just have a question. You guys. Can yeah. yeah. You guys can no, no. Please, Please question away. <laughs> so um, 
I just hearing this is, is really interesting because I know the sim community is like super, super big. Um, and not just from just kind of like, I guess, casual simulators like the Sims and stuff like that. But I like see them at PAX. I see them at anime conventions now even. Um, I just wanted to know like if uh, I know, Pat, you just said you, you're kind of like in that sim community. Um, if you guys have like a history of like playing these sim games like Truck Simulator, uh, more plane simulators. What is oh it that boy. draws? <laughs> what is it I've, that like makes you want to play them and draws it out to you? Because I've never kind of dipped in that pool before, um, but I know the community is massive. So I, I would like to know. I've been tempted to get into Euro Truck or not Euro Truck, uh, American Truck Simulator, mm-hmm. because I live in Japan now, uh, but I'm from the Pacific Northwest and like West Coast, so. The idea of taking a long haul truck up I-5 and driving around to like my hometown or just like areas I'm familiar with is super appealing. Mm. Um, so that's cool. And I think part of the appeal for Flight Simulator is I can take off from the airport that is literally 20 minutes from my mom's house and I can fly over it and go, hey, it's my mom's house and then try and land on the street and absolutely fail. But yeah. um, and so being able to go to like check out all these places that I've been to and see them from the air in a way that I'm not able to normally is really neat with Flight Simulator. Yeah. And th- um, I'll just jump in real quick because I know Pat is our resident expert on simulators. <laughs> like Pat has brought many simulators over the years. Um, and for me, I've played a few. Like I have played Euro Truck Simulator because it covered some areas I used to live in in Europe, which was neat. And but like, um, as you guys were alluding to at the start, those very much feel like it's a condensed version. It's like you're seeing the best yeah. of, like you're seeing a a montage clip of Europe rather than the actual Europe. And mm. so, Flight Simulator does have that appeal to me because I'd love to see what it's like to see, yeah, one to one modeled like the town I grew up in, even if the buildings aren't accurate, kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But for me, when I played. Euro Truck Simulator, and I tried uh, American one just for a little while. Is it's very relaxing, like it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like a um, it's a very plur experience. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> you just focus on it and like like yeah you you get the <laughs> rave ball and then you know you're just you just kind of lose focus. It's 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 very much yeah it's relaxing. Yeah, I haven't played a lot of um, Euro Truck Sim, but I have played some of it. And it's it's a very much a good uh, like podcast game or a game where you just want to li- like kind of keep yourself busy while you're listening to something, and that's that's what I've enjoyed it with. I think for me and for a lot of the sim community to kind of um, uh, the, to to get at like why people are so passionate about simulators is when you for me anyway playing games is largely about having experiences. Um, which seems like a very broad definition, um, but it is about having experiences and ideally having new experiences and having a connection to something on a more visceral level than I generally get from just watching or um, re- reading isn't really, you do so much brain work with reading um, to interpret things that I think that, that, that it kind of actually falls into a similar category with, with games, but um, and so with simulation, um, you're able to experience something that you can't or don't do. And certainly 
in flight simulator communities, it is also often used as a training tool for people who actually fly planes. So for them, I mean, there's different reasons people come to it. But for me, it is a sort of experience where I can actually poke at what it's like to do the thing for real, which is just not something you can do with most genres of video games and not even necessarily something I want to do with most genres of video games. Mm. Um, Like like you've, you've expressed similar about F1 as well, right? Absolutely. Um, I, as, as a pretty big formula one fan of actual racing, I will never get to drive a formula one car. That is not a possibility for me. Um, but with the right sim setup, you can you can at least grasp at that um, in a way that I think if you play, for example, and this is not to suggest that I think that sims are like better than other kinds of games either on any sort of objective level. But if you play something like Final Fantasy VIII, for example, like phenomenal game, um, it doesn't make you feel like you're swinging a gun blade. You're telling a character to do that. And that's, it's a different experience entirely, but what's appealing about a simulation game is that it's, I want to fly. You you come at it saying, I want to fly an airplane and then you can get so much closer to that experience than you can with other genres. Mm -hmm. Um, We're starting to get there with VR in some cases, like you, you can, you can play Skyrim in VR and you really are swinging the sword and stuff, but there's still a, a disconnect from a fidelity perspective there that I think doesn't come in with sim games. And and so I think it's largely like it's that. And then it's also building skill sets. Wow. If I play American truck simulator, I feel like now, like I could almost take a class and then get a, 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 a commercial driver's license and like learn how to drive trucks. And am I ever going to do that? Probably not. But it's interesting to me to develop that skill set or something that has a real world application. Um, Uh, So uh, I think a lot of it has to do with that stuff. I I almost drew a connected line on your, your Pepe Silva like board uh, (laughs) between uh, flight simulator and hot dogs, horseshoes and hand grenades. Oh no, that's, it's very accurate. And that, and that is a (laughs) sort of a different thing of um, I, and this is, this is a really weird conversation um i'm obviously a very strong advocate for gun control if we had the ability to just melt down every firearm on the world i would love to do it um i wish that that guns only existed in video games and museums um with that being said uh i i can also say that firing guns at targets is a fun thing to do um it sucks because there are also things used to kill people. Uh, and I don't like that. And again, I wish we could not have them. However, I still find the mechanics of them interesting, even if I want them all to go away. So something like hot dogs, horseshoes and hand grenades is a simulator. Um, and it simulates those firearms. And it, and to me, it is interesting because I don't want to hold those things in real life and I don't want to interact with them in real life. But in the simulation, it is interesting to see how they work mechanically and to like understand how they behave. And I think that is really at the core of, of simulation is to understand how things about the world that you don't necessarily understand behave. Um, and then specifically for flight simulator and this edition of it does such a good job of this. There's things like, you know, every plane is like a character to an extent. Um, they each have slight differences. So learning their nuances is really interesting. And then you, 
on a base level, something I think anyone can understand. What's so cool about this edition of Flight Simulator is you can take off from a small, random small airstrip in the Alps and come over a ridge and get a just breathtaking view that maybe like 2% of people have seen because Mm -hmm. people haven't, didn't do that, didn't come over that ridge at that exact moment with that exact sunlight and those exact, that exact cloud pattern and stuff. And what's interesting, what's so cool about the way that this game simulates both the topography of the world and weather and time is you can set it to, I want it to be like I'm actually flying in real life in this place. And it approximates the weather very closely and sets the time right. And so you can have those moments where you're like, I found this thing and took a screenshot of it. No one else is ever going to see this exact thing again. Um, and that's really appealing. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a really, it's just a really fascinating thing. Uh, it's that's, really, really cool. That's really interesting. I see. I like, again, don't delve into the, the sim community too much because I've never played a game like that, but now kind of hearing your perspective and, they're very different from like what I used to think before. Um, I think I might look into these games because what the heck? I kind of want to get into that. That's really, I, really cool. I think that Flight Simulator is a good entry point too because one, you can check it out on Game Pass on PC. Yeah. You have it is it is definitely a resource intensive game, so that is one barrier to entry that is um, frustrating. But it's also that like next generation thing of like they can't really do this without making it resource intensive. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that the answer would have been to make it more optimized because they're trying, I mean, Rob Zachney in in his review, the, the, the title of the review was um, be patient with flight simulator. It's trying to give you the world. Like you have to kind of understand that what they're doing sort of requires this technical leap in a way Mm -hmm. that it's unfortunate that people get left behind in that. But Mm -hmm. but with game pass, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say it's, when I was drawing the crisis analogy earlier, that wasn't just not really a joke. It's because it is no, yeah. kind of trying to push things forward and yeah. it has the resources of Microsoft behind it. So it's, it's pretty big. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, I think it's worth giving it a shot to anyone. If you already have game pass, there's no harm in, unless you have an aggressive data cap, there's no harm in trying to download it and, and check it out. Um, and you know, it does scale to a, to a degree too. Uh, it's just not going to look incredible. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the, the cool thing about it is that, that Asobo has figured this out in a way that I don't think anybody else has. Microsoft tried with Microsoft Flight, and they failed. Um, if you just plug in an Xbox controller or whatever controller to your PC and boot it up, like you can fly a plane that way. Um, you need yeah. to interact with the keyboard a little bit at times, but yeah. for the most part, you can just fly the plane with a controller. and like. Andre ran into a thing where you had to use the keyboard in a in a tutorial. It wasn't great about saying, yeah. "Okay, this is on the keyboard. This yeah. is on the controller," but uh, which was annoying. But once I figured that out, I was like, yeah. "Oh, okay." And also, if you just jump into a flight without worrying about doing the tutorials, just to try it and set up a like a flight in a Cessna or something, it does guide you through the process of like taking off, even mm. if you're not doing an, a, a tutorial it will it'll say like with default settings it'll say like oh you hit the runway hit start and plus b to start the engine and stuff uh and then um and then uh accelerate for takeoff and raise your flaps and everything so i think this is a really good one to try with the caveat that it is difficult to run um and people are doing wild stuff already i was looking at the the reddit i got to get on it today 
Um, obviously wish everyone the best with incoming hurricanes to um, the, the, the Caribbean and, and uh, Florida. Um, I lived in Florida for a long time. Hurricanes are scary and dangerous. Are um, people what, flying into the hurricane? Yeah. yeah. And the, the footage people are taking from in the eye of the hurricane is just like, it, it's, it's, right. it's incredible. Um, cause it models the hurricane and it models the rotation of the hurricane in the game. That's crazy. It's, there's a, it is my, there's a, wow. there's a typhoon coming in to Japan over the next few days. And I was just thinking earlier, I wonder if I can fly into that. You, you totally can. <laughs> and the weather modeling is like, they're getting there. And that's the other thing that's exciting about this game and why I would give it a five star review now spoilers, because I am going to write a review for the site, but, um, it, there are moments where it lapses and there's like the weird, there is the weird pillar in Australia and there yeah. are <laughs> places where the water doesn't look quite right. For, and for sometimes con, for, con, for context, the pillar on Australia is uh, a building like, that is roughly like 500 meters tall. Like it's like a kilometer into the sky. <laughs> like it's yeah. just this <laughs> pillar. It, it's also yeah. because of a typo apparently. It's a typo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, Someone, but um, yeah, it's also, you know, Sobo have said, my understanding based on their comments is they are contracted for the next 10 years to make this thing. Wow. Um, and the in the developer Q&A that I watched, um, the head of Flight Sim from Microsoft's side was basically saying, like, hopefully more than that, too. But that's sort of where they're at right now. They have a 10-year awesome. plan. Um, and they have that's said... That's one console generation, so... They have said in that Q&A that I watched, they were people were like, can we open the doors on the airplanes, for example, which you can't do right now? Um, Cause you don't really need to, but they were like, yeah, eventually we'll put that damn in. It. The, 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 all the questions, every time people were like, well, are we going to get this? Are we going to get this? They were like, sure. People want it. It'll get in the game. We'll, we'll put it in. Everything's on the table basically. Can so I, I think do a just cool. cause a stunt jump on the top <laughs> of the airplane. Basically, if enough people ask for a feature, they seem to be inclined to put it in. Um, they go have to my change.org petition they have been very aggressive about saying it's not a game and it's a sim to them they're not trying to they talk about how and, and I'm sure to some people it seems like their their heads are very far up their asses I get what they're saying they say pretty aggressively like there are no gamers there are simmers and there are people new to sims and they want to make a simulation <laughs> that is appropriate for both of those groups um, they're not making so. a, a sim that is trying to attract gamers i don't think they're ten what they mean is there are no gamers period what they're saying is in relation to flight simulator sure the point is not for the game to appeal or for the sim to appeal to gamers the point is to bring people in who are new to simulation and catch their interest um so yeah uh yeah it's 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 impressive and a lot of that stuff is just stuff that's going to continue to be worked on right now the one of the things that sometimes if you lose connection to the server it doesn't stream wind data appropriately. So like you can be in a thunderstorm that's in real life and it's not buffeting your plane around like it should be. There's little hiccups like that here and there, um, but they're really manageable. And I would say too, even if you, the last thing I have to say on it is even if you are like, I really need objectives. I don't just want to put in fly from point to point. That sounds boring. The, the sim has like, I think like 25 different landing challenges that put you on different runways and different aircraft and different conditions and tells you to land. It also has what I thought initially was three, like 20 minute bush flights is what they're called. Um, a bush flight is like when you as a pilot decide to land, take off from like a small airport and then 
fly around, see some scenery, and land at another small airport. Um, actually, the way their bush flights work is <laughs> they're each like seven hours long and broken into like 20 minute to 40 minute chunks. There's like 20 legs of a bush flight. And so it's almost, they're almost like campaigns to a degree where you're, and they're so cool because it'll be like, oh, you're going to take, it'll say in your navigation log, like, take off from blah, blah, blah airport, head north. Um, you're going to see rolling hills leading into the beautiful Sierra Nevada mountain range. Follow State Route 147 as it, bend, as it bends along the Kern River and enter Kern Canyon, at which point you'll turn east and da 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 da. And it has a bunch of those kind of almost narrative navlog steps for you to follow. And you just see some really cool stuff. So it definitely has goals and like things you can load into that are like, okay, I needed an objective. And so I'm going to go from point A to point B here following this guide. Um, so it, it, it works on that level. In some way, that seems kind of ideal, given how much of the world is kind of locked in their rooms right now. <laughs> totally. Being able to at least explore the world in a virtual fashion that is relatively like high fidelity sounds pretty appealing. But My hope is they add more of those bush flights, too, to kind of guide you around so that people don't yeah. get stuck in the rut of just saying, like, well, I'm going to go to my house, then my friend's house, and then my mom's <laughs> house. Like, it, it is... It, it, the, the most interesting thing to do in that game is to find those spectacular places to see from yeah. there. And sometimes you need a little help figuring out where that's going to be. Totally. Um, so so, hopefully so uh, Andre, for you as not someone who's deep into the sim community, how is it for yeah. you? Uh, it's been interesting and cool. Uh, I got to find something to like kill time on these, like the long stretches where you're just like, okay, I got to fly straight for like 10 minutes. Uh, so like finding the right thing, GDQ is on right now. So that kind of pops in there. Yeah. I don't know how much time I'm going to spend with it personally. I, there's still some things I want to check out. Like, do I want to fly into that typhoon? Maybe I do. Um, and like check out some areas that I've never been or like I'd like to go to uh, I'd let do some flights that I've done in real life, like Eugene to like Seattle or something like my hometown to Seattle just to like experience what that's like. I've done that flight like before, but doing that in the pilot seat will be interesting and just kind of check out the different planes because they do control remarkably differently uh and like they all have their own ui and stuff uh when you like you go into third person and don't have the like readings in front of you uh so it's pretty it's it's a lot to take in like doing the tutorial i was able to get my hands on things and like i said before the tutorial didn't specify like okay you got your controller and you need to use the keyboard it's just like yeah. push these buttons and then once i figured that out i was like okay i can do this and then like okay i can take off i can land it didn't like the way i landed but i landed and that's what matters <laughs> uh so getting through all that stuff was neat and then I tried to fly into my mom's house and just it, it all went bad. <laughs> but I, I, there is, I want to spend some more time with it, but I don't think I'm going to lose I, days. In I, it. I would absolutely say that too, that the, you get the more out of it, the more both time and money you're willing to put into it. Mm -hmm. Like I, part of why it's such a compelling experience for me is that I have like 
$200 worth of equipment that I'm playing with, like pedals and a throttle and a stick and stuff. Yeah. And I'm probably going to buy another $150 controller for it at some point. So like part of that is, is if you, I don't know that you're going to be able to play it for hundreds of hours with a controller and have a great time for that whole time. But I don't, I don't think I would want to anyway. No, the idea is that <laughs> but, you, yeah. you go, Oh my, Oh my God, this is amazing. I need to get a stick. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah. The entry. Yeah. I, I would say that I wish like, I don't get enough feedback, like playing with controller. Like there's yeah. no, there's like, just rumble. not, I'm not noticing rumble or anything. So I'm, it's there, like, you can't it's, get like force like, Oh, it's turbulence and everything's shaken yeah. and I can't pull back or anything like that. Yeah. But with the PS5 adapt- DualSense controller and the adaptive triggers, you too can. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool thing uh, that I was not expecting to be interested in at all. But I do want to go back to it and spend some more time with it. I will have a review hopefully this weekend sometime. Okay, yeah. cool. So with that well, in mind, do you want to jump into news for really quick? Just because we only have Monty for another 20 minutes. And I know one of the sure, news items well, here well. is probably something you might want to talk about, Monty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, which one? Uh, a lot of them. So we can talk about the Indie Showcase. We can talk about the Burger King ad. Um, that's something I'd like to talk about, too. Apple's okay, really sure. Cool too. Oh, we can, we can talk about Burger King. Uh, oh, the Burger King thing is like Burger King. Well, so it's not Burger King's. It's like the ad no, it's agency. A, it's an agency, yeah, yeah. But Burger King is the one that was being represented, and I'm sure the most a, boneheaded. Not the yeah. not the most, but one of the most boneheaded uh, advertising there? moves of at least 2020. Well. Where I mean, this ad agency, the, sorry, go for it. This ad agency went to various Twitch streamers' channels and donated, uh, which allows your message to be read on stream and by like some sort of Microsoft Sam AI voice. <laughs> and they donated like five dollars and wrote out a message that was all about like tasty, tasty Burger King. Uh, and so they're using very popular streamers like ammunition. Uh, I can't remember the other names that were listed in this thing I read, but basically using massive platforms to advertise Burger King without permission next to no money, without permission next to no money. The streamers were like, yo, if you want to advertise on my stream, you got to pay me $5 or they thought it was like their community, like trolling and writing dumb Burger King stuff. And then they're like, wait, yeah. Cause if I saw that, like I, I'd be like, Oh, that's a troll because no company would obviously do that. And then it's like, no, it's, it's them. It's bad. Yeah. And so then they went and they put like a big press, like, oh, hey, look at our, like, a market research type thing. Like, look at our ad campaign on Twitch. <laughs> and it was, and oh it was very, it was very, like, masturbatory. It was like, look how awesome and clever we are. We did this thing. It's I, so rad. I mean, that's, that's marketing and, like, yeah. uh, that, that's that kind of presentation thing you do to sell yourself to, um, but, you know, other companies. But they, they it's, like, yeah blurred out all of the streamers faces and like modified their voices and stuff. And it just like came across as super dehumanizing also. 
It was oh, creepy. Yeah. It yeah. was creepy. I fucking hated watching that. Yeah, and um, it may be illegal too. It might be illegal. It, it might be. Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was when I first watched it. Um, I think it was really unacceptable, only because it's it's 2020. Um, you're already walking into with like people kind of recognizing their worth. Um, not saying that they didn't recognize it before, but more so that like, you know, kind of like the upcoming generation, um, including millennials, it's just, we are outspoken of like, if you want me to do work, you need to pay for it. Um, to kind of just Mm -hmm. go in and do this, like, yeah, I'm just going to pop in $3 in your tip jar here for advertising. That's kind of like a slap in the face. Like not, not everyone is Dan Reichert. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it'd be one thing if, um, you know, they, they paid what they would pay for some, like, say, somebody appearing in a commercial or something, and they popped that in the tip jar, and I assume it would be more than $5. Um, but at the same time, it's it does seem real sketch to do that without any sort of permission or... Or consent. Warning. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know if I was, if I was streaming, I would not want to be, like, advertising to go buy a whopper or something Absolutely. at least unless i yeah. got like paid a decent amount of money for it and you also believed in the whopper but like right yeah like like if like i get their impetus like yeah if there's a streamer that has i don't know let's say 2000 watt viewers at that time and if you're spending five dollars yeah you're, you're spending five dollars to get that message in front of all these people maybe they'll laugh about yeah. it and be like oh this is dumb they're trolling but they're thinking about burger king and it's like Oh, it's late stage capitalism at its best, baby. Right. Yep. It's it's the type of thing that makes sense to an extent, but like at the same time, it's it's makes sense in a crummy capitalist housecape yeah. that we live in. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, like so. Um, my current job and my job before, I was oh, I'm, I'm a talent manager, so I like oversee just talent and mostly like content creators. Um, my last job was overseeing models. And a sponsored ad, like just like a post on Instagram, um, depending on their following, could be upwards to a thousand to fifteen thousand dollars for a post. Yeah. Um, a little like I don't know, thirty second story on their Instagram could be from five hundred to like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, kind of just coming in, it's, it still fucks me up that seeing like three dollars. Like I see it in my nightmares now. It's just it's it's insane it's it's so it's so fucked up it's just like if you want to do this right just pay the grand for like this community because they're gonna go buy fucking burger king we already do um i live right near one i love their chicken fries but uh, when they do this chicken sandwich <laughs> seriously they have the impossible um, whopper it's delicious yeah and it's just like they're doing good but like who was in this room where they thought like, yeah, let's just like pop it like five dollars. It's like free advertisement. Like who is saying that and who is approving that in that room? It's just I don't know if like they're still in the concept of like traditional. um, What do you call it? Like traditional influencers where like you pay an actor in a commercial. I think, Allison, you touched upon that a little bit. Um, But I think the kind of new wave of influencer on social media, they're not understanding that like you still kind of have to pay them like an actor so maybe that's where like the kind of mix was but they're also more valuable than an actor because like people trust 
like the person, the influencer, whereas with an actor, like, I don't know this, I don't know who this person is, but they're saying they like Burger King. But I when, really, I really mm-hmm. think yeah. that this agency knew exactly what they were doing mm-hmm. and they did it anyway. Uh, I don't, oh, yeah. I'm not, I don't work at an agency and, but I have worked around ad agencies a lot and, um, like, they, I think they knew 100% what they were doing. And I think what they, their, their conversation in the room was probably, let's just do it. We're going to get some blowback on Twitter. Who cares? It's still going to connect with these people. And, and I, I mean, hopefully it didn't, <laughs> you know, hopefully and I, mean, I, I think that the whole, you know, uh, all press is good press is, is not necessarily always true. But at the same time, I, I only heard about this through the people being like, let's talk about it. It's Isn't this horrible? Like, you know, and so that still got me to think about Burger King, even though I'm not necessarily thinking about it positively. It still got the concept of eating at Burger King in front of, of me, even though I just heard the negative yeah. feedback mm-hmm. about it. But I hope yeah. it doesn't continue. What if this is all viral marketing for Sneak King 2? Oh my god, yes. That would be awesome. Mm. Then you... Mm, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> I love stupid we got, games so much. We got oh. the Tony Hawk remaster. Now we need the Sneak King remaster. God. Uh, what if it's like well, a Last of Us 2 like grade level of like graphics i hope oh no yeah oh yes i mean (laughs) mean, with how popular fall guys is they should just get big bumping back (laughs) that's basically fall guys in a way (laughs) all right well uh that's that's the burger king story uh do we have does there one more story you wanted to hit monty before you have to take off yeah yeah the the indie showcase um yeah so something that I saw, I just wanted to point out, um, there are these group of really, really cool people from AgroCrab games. I don't know if you follow them at all, but they have a game called Going Under, and they're featured in the Indie Showcase for Nintendo, and I'm very excited. If you guys haven't heard of that game, please check it out. It's about an intern uh, working at an unpaid internship, kind of like sticking it to the corporation. It's a uh, very cool. Um, their concept was, I don't know if you've seen like those Facebook people drawings, but they're all kind of like, you know, weird, conspicuous, like skin color. So they're not really attaching it to the people. They're all like very bright reds and very like weird blues and greens. Um, they kind of touch that on their game, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. That game looks really rad. And I'm, I'm, I, I went from like, I, I'd never heard of it too. I'm I'm suddenly like pretty excited about it. There, there yeah, were a yeah. handful of games in that showcase that I had that feeling about. There was a lot. It was I thought it was a good showcase because I, yeah. I there were quite a few games that I thought were good, and I mean there were there were other games that uh, we 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 talked about how apparently they had started with um, Apple Arcade, and I had yeah. legitimately never heard of them. So yeah, Takeshi and Hiroshi being one of them. Yeah, the game I have so never heard of good. that at all. It's so good. So, Takeshi and Hiroshi's adorable. It looks really good. Uh, but the, but yeah, there was quite a few games where I, I, I immediately went to the um, 
Switch eShop and was like, time to add a bunch of these to my wish list because they all look, oh, there are so many games that look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it seems like the standout one that people are talking about now is Spiritfarer because it launched yeah, that day that and then a bunch, of, a bunch of reviews hit and like it's sounding like it's really strong. I, I have that added to my, my card as well. It looks like it's on Game Pass, so you can check it out there too. I don't it looks really good. It just feels like I'm going to get emotional, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. Day oh, God, I, I know. <laughs> I, I definitely looked at that, and I'm like, am I in the right headspace to deal with this game? <laughs> yeah, no, for they sure. They especially, so after, yeah. especially after um, doing Necrobarista and just, like, sobbing my eyes out. I'm like, do I need another game about <laughs> dying that'll make me cry? <laughs> Right yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, too. <laughs> yeah, something might need that was, a little bit of a break. Sorry. Yeah, something that was the opposite of that was that really cute bear B&B game. It was like <laughs> yeah. Bear and Breakfast. That game looks fun. Yeah. It looks so, so cute. I don't know. They they really do it with the indies, um, especially with their whole like wholesome showcase that they had. Um, I just want to play all these games, and I don't I think know. I have the time. I, yeah. I was really... Uh, I was really excited about uh, Card Shark, which I forget who said it in oh, the yeah. chat. Was like somebody was like, "Allison, this is a game for you." Yeah, I said um, that. I was like, "This seems like exactly yeah. your vibe." Cute. Yeah, and that looks really interesting. Where you're doing basically like cheating with card games um, in 18th century Europe. Right. So it looks very, very interesting, and I'm ex- I'm really interested in that. Um, I'm also very, very excited about uh, Garden Story, which I played the yeah. demo for um, with the Steam demos, and I've really enjoyed that a lot, and I'm excited to see it come to Switch, because I think it could be a really good game for it. It looks super, super cute. I played that game at PAX West at that like Sunday 6 thing that they have across the street or two blocks over. Um, I was also in like a Pikachu onesie, so it was a uh, it was a time. It was a really weird time. Also, they had like alcohol there too, and I'm just like, what is happening? This doesn't feel real right now. But uh, I think having that whole experience with the Garden Story just makes it me like more pumped to play it. Yeah, I'm super interested in Raji because I feel like oh, me uh, too. One mm-hmm. of the things we talked about in our chat uh, was that like India is a place that is not often represented and when it is it's often misrepresented so mm-hmm. i think it's really cool that like it's a, it's based on indian folklore and all that kind of stuff so i'm interested the in that music one. that came on for oh, the so like good. showcase it was so good it was so nice it was such a bop uh i'm really excited for it too uh, any stood up to I you Pat, wanna... or andre I want to hit up that untitled goose game co-op with my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, that, that bear game looks enjoyable to me. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, the, a lot of the stuff that they show in these showcases, I'm kind of like, Oh, maybe I'll check that out on PC at some point. Cause I just don't use my switch a ton anymore. But, um, but, but I mean, it was good stuff. That's for sure. They always have, really interesting things like i might even try garden store even though i don't typically like like um farming games that much uh like it's the, not really a farming game yeah yeah right that's and that's kind of why i'm i'm interested in it at some point I, i'm just glad they put a time frame on uh the red lantern 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been excited for that game for a while. and I, That's one of those ones that I saw that opening trailer, and I was like, yeah, I'll try this. I'll play this. And I don't really want to know anything else about it. So Same. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I am just I don't even yeah. care about the release date. One day it'll arrive, and I'll see it somewhere <laughs> and go, oh, cool, I can play that now. <laughs> and then I'll do it. Yeah, it just makes me really jazzed that um, like companies like Nintendo are continuing to really uh, show off the indie games on their platforms um, just because I, 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 I'm personally at that point where like a lot of the games that I'm playing are indie and that's what I'm really excited about and totally just showing off all the great things on their, on their platform is, re- is really exciting just because it's uh, that's not always been the case that indie games will get a big presentation from uh big company like Nintendo. So I'm I'm, I'm glad that they're, yeah. Yeah. I'm super glad they do because I think indies are carrying the industry right now. Like the AAA stuff is interesting. Like, like we're talking about, you couldn't have Microsoft flight simulator from, I don't know, super giant. Like they just, they, yes, they're an amazing studio and the stuff they do is fantastic, but they don't have the resources to do that. Sure. That's a case for a AAA game, but like, all of the innovation is coming out of the indie space. All of the interesting stories, all of the interesting like weird mechanics and mashups, and like yeah, just innovation. And I love it. I'm so glad that. I mean, no AAA studio. No AAA studio is going to make something like Hypnospace Outlaw or Card Shark or something <laughs> like that, where yeah, yeah, they're just so completely not. niche and interesting ideas. And that's and that's why I really love indie. Um, it's just that you get these really unique experiences right. through them. So I'm right. just, I'm just always excited whenever a, a big company is like promoting yeah. their indie content. Yeah. Like our um, game of the year last year was an indie. So what was your game of the year last year? Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium. Yeah. That's a very good game. Um, yeah. I have to leave soon, but I think this is like yes. the perfect time yes. for me to leave. Cause I, I definitely <laughs> yeah. want to talk about um, indie games. I agree with like both of you guys. Um, I'm very excited that kind of, there's more eyes on indie games and these giant, giant monstrous fucking companies are like putting the effort to kind of put them out there. Um, yeah. Cause triple A, triple A is great. Yeah. The, the games are, they, they make games that sell and do well for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But having these indies and in kind of like a different narrative, especially when it comes to experimenting um, is something that I really enjoy. So I, I, I talked about it. I talk about it every freaking year, but I love talking about it in the future. Um, my first indie game was uh, The Unfinished Swan, and that's my sure. favorite game of all time. Um, and since then, I think indies really do have these really wondrous stories to tell, because even though, of course, people make games to sell them, um, they want to become successful with them, and you know they're, they're in their right to be, but they also want to tell these stories with like triple A games, people are working for them or they want to tell these stories as well. But I think with like smaller time studios, they do have that flexibility. Like Allison said, to kind of like try other things. And, you know, we don't get games like night in the woods, unfinished swan, uh, pyre even, um, which is just kind of like really cool mythical dodgeball. Um, they're all really fun games. And I really hope that we kind of change the narrative of indie games of it being kind of like a kiddish sort of thing. That's something that I've kind of realized growing up that people don't play indie games because they look really kiddy, even though there's some devastating indie games out there. Um, 
But I know with my brother, I've tried to have him play these really cool indie games, but he just says, no, they're too kiddish, even though he's like mm. 10 years younger than me, but whatever. Um, so hopefully be, when there's like more eyes on them and they have these big companies showing them off that people are kind of more influenced to, to play them. Cause I, I think, I think these games can really like change the perspective of someone's life as they did to mine. And hopefully mm. we'll, we'll see that. <laughs> we'll see more of that. <laughs> I think, too, there's like a perception that indie games and this is not to say anything against games that have like a a, like cuter or pastel or like a more fun aesthetic. To some extent, I think sometimes and a lot of this is because Nintendo is one of the bigger champions and they tend to um, those games tend to fit really well within their catalog. But I think of something like even at that Microsoft event, um, Dark Tide got announced Warhammer 40K Dark Tide. That is an indie game that is developed and published. I believe it's published. Their previous games have been by Fat Shark. Um, so like the indie space is so cool because it actually is like way. I think you're right in that there's this perception of those games, which people should still play because just because it has a, a cute or like approachable aesthetic, it doesn't mean that it's for children. But also mm-hmm. there's a, such a wide indie space that involve that incorporates like things like Disco Elysium and stuff like those bad shark games and um like racing games i played a game last week called drag which is this really cool two-person team and it's this super serious sim racing game about a car that doesn't exist that's like this cool future dune buggy thing it still plays like a sim like there's so many cool indie games out there that are not just that like oeuvre of like of pastel like um cute characters too so i think people need to like shift their perceptions of it's not really the same thing as the way indie music became a sort of genre that didn't really have anything to do with how independent artists were. It was more like a sound thing with games. It's actually like, no, because they are literally independent at a business level, they're able to do things that normal studios or not normal is the wrong word that big AAA studios wouldn't be able to do. And that's, what's so cool about it. Publicly traded ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even, Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but like, yeah, um, I know you have to go, so I'll be brief. But like, it's a broad space. I mean, looking at our site, our past five reviews are all indie games, and they're all extremely yep. different. Like, Umarangi yep. Generation is significantly different from Before totally. I Forget, which is significantly different from Pixel Ripped. So, like, you just get so much just stuff, and, and it awesome. gets to the same thing I was saying about Sims. To wrap it around, is I play games to have different experiences and to have new experiences all the time. Same, and you get that in independent games in a way that you just don't with a lot of larger, um, like more mainstream, popular kind of things. Hell yeah, hell yeah! Um, I love ending on this note. I'm gonna be pumped for my day. <laughs> I'm gonna be doing my errands, thinking about indie games. It's great. Um, you, should, <laughs> you should think about Mixolumia and go hell play yeah. Mixolumia. Oh my has. god! Yeah, if <laughs> one of you guys can let me know, um, I know I had to go back on Twitter to have Alex send me a link mm-hmm. to the Zoom meeting. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you guys can send me that, let me know because I have all the time in the world right now over the weekends and. I kind of want to play more games because Parkasaurus is like taking up my mind too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys for having me. I yes, thank you for very, coming on. Thanks for joining of us. Of course. Yeah. It was so yeah. much fun talking to you guys. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, where, where, I, can people, oh, where, can, where can people find you, Monty? People can find me on the internet on 
Twitter and Instagram at Fried Monty. Um, I am usually talking about Yakuza, uh, simping for Toshihiro Nagoshi. Um, I like yelling at people and posting pictures of my dog Rusty that you definitely heard barking here and there. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, yes, come back absolutely come back anytime. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. All right, Open bye guys. Bye. Bye. Man, we should have just talked about Yakuza right. for like an hour, apparently. Yeah, yeah. of course. Well, Monty signed off on, on a Yakuza note, and that's an example of a uh, large AAA developed. I think that's technically a AAA game, right? Yeah, it is. It's uh, Sega. Which is fucking rad and actually super different all the time <laughs> and does not fall into the same traps that a lot of mainstream games uh, do. So. Yeah. I'm actually going to be on Damage Boost podcast. I'm recording tomorrow. Sick. I don't know when it's going to go live of talking about the Yakuza games. Wonderful. Uh, hey. I don't know. It's like it does take a long time to come out. Uh, so I'm not sure when they'll, that'll go up, but I'll keep you posted. It's a little has, teaser for you. Has, 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 has he played those games? He has not. Uh, but I was like, I'm, I'm playing Yakuza. And cool. I believe he was like, Oh, I'm going to check out the ones on game pass. I'm like, those games are like at least 20 hours each <laughs> at least. Uh, he's like, maybe I'll watch some then. So but, we'll have some familiarity, but Hey, Andre. I, yeah. You, you know, what sounds like it wasn't about 20 hours long. Uh, either of the games that I brought or uh, yeah. Yeah, either of the games I brought this yeah, week, exactly. but total, it was about 20 hours actually. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. For both of these games. Uh, do you want to hear about the new game or the or the last year's game that got short shrift because I didn't listen to Pat? That one. Okay. Andre and I, whenever we listen to each other, it's... It's like, I, it's important. I, should, have, I, I should have done it. <laughs> I should have... You, you knew, and Pat knew that Remnant from the Ashes was going to be something that I really enjoyed. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. I'll get to I it. I feel like that's a lot it. of people's opinions of that game. Patrick Klepek at waypoint has been saying like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Cause yeah. Austin was hot on that game. Yeah. I, it's, uh, lots of people were hot on it. And I, was, I, for some reason it was just like, eh, yeah, okay. Uh, like souls like, isn't enough to just immediately sell me on a game. And it shouldn't be really. I mean, there's so many, uh, for some are, people it is, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the souls games. Uh, I have played all like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, like all three Dark Souls and all that stuff. Uh, Demon Souls even. But I'm going to make a bold statement yeah. and say there's never been a Souls like that is as good as Dark Souls. <laughs> what about Demon I would put Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3, I would say, is comparable for me. But, but I think Dark Souls 3 is very good. Let, but, me, uh, yeah, let me revise that. Yeah. There is no Souls like that from as good as uh-huh, sure, any yeah. as, as a game from FromSoft. FromSoft has yeah. made the best Souls likes. Yeah, uh, but I think Remnant, uh, hmm. Remnant does something interesting by introducing firearms yes. into the mix in a like a main like a in, like a main way. Like a firearm can be your main weapon. It should. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it really should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I played as like the long range class, like the hunter. I don't even know the called, melee class. So yeah focus largely on mm-hmm. shotguns and stuff like, that makes sense because yeah, you're still you're close range yeah. you're taking more hits but you're yeah. not focusing on your melee weapon um, yeah that, um, that and, the melee combat is not deep enough really to make that 
It's a mm-hmm. thing you can find. And there are definitely moments where you do not want to be using melee combat at all no. because enemies will explode on you at yeah. times. Um, but yeah, so Remnant from the Ashes is a Souls-like game where you've got like a third person over the shoulder, kind of like a Gears of War almost or something, totally. you know, like or, uh, that kind of perspective. And it feels and heavy got, in the way that Gears feels, I think. Uh, not as heavy but sure yeah uh yeah. in in some ways uh you can like crouch down behind cover stuff but not you're not like snapping into cover like a gears you're just like oh right. i'm crouched down and i walk up to this wall which is nice and good uh so it takes place on earth at least initially which is like one thing that if I had heard more about kind of the tone of the world, I had heard like some story things or like encounter type stuff, but not like you're traveling between dimensions and stuff. Yeah. And uh, the story is a bit more fleshed out than it is in a souls game. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of like weird, ambiguous lore that you're picking up from talking to cryptic npcs where this is like there's a story going on here and it's tough to talk about because there is sort of you kind of want people to have that moment of like oh 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 yeah oh shit okay and that's that's definitely a really enjoyable part of the experience but we're also far enough out now that if you haven't played it you know you should know that that's in there because it's not just a post-apocalyptic running around a city yeah um, kind of thing it's the same people that made um uh Darksiders 3. And oh. yeah, this is the same team that made Darksiders 3. And um at first glance, it's like, oh, this almost looks like it could be a Darksiders game with the way it's like post-apocalyptic cities yeah. and kind of overgrown stuff. But you do hit the point like a third of or so of the way into the game, maybe a little later than mm-hmm. that, that's like, okay, there's weird <laughs> shit happening here and it gets yeah. a lot wider than this. There's like some control vibes going Absolutely. on yeah. in mm-hmm. the like, uh, not like it's kind of like atmosphere uh, in terms of like, there's some weird sciencey shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's all really cool. Like the atmosphere and stuff was stuff I was not expecting to be super into. The difficulty was like all over the place. Uh, some stuff I just I steamrolled through and other stuff gave me a lot of trouble which yeah. is it didn't it didn't feel like there was a good balance or like I was really I don't know it just it didn't feel like the things were like balanced in a way that felt good because I would I would have one spot that gave me a ton of trouble and then I'd go to the next boss and then I'd just be like boop three shots you're dead not three shots but basically like no trouble didn't get hit and stuff like that i think they tweaked a lot of the bosses in a way that after launch to try to make them less because it was not like super hard not as hard as dark souls at any point really yeah um but but it definitely didn't have quite that degree of unevenness there were a couple of choke points where the there were bosses that felt really really hard um, like, and then like the ending, the final boss felt really, really hard originally. And I think mm. maybe they balanced some of that stuff to make it a little bit too easy. I really want to play through it. I, I'm planning on it. Although there's a lot of stuff to play on hard because I never mm. did go back and play it again on hard. Um, cause there's new DLC out for it that I want to play. Uh, and I'd like to replay the story first. Um, yeah. 
I guess See one of the goes. big things that we didn't even touch on is that when you replay the game, it's not the same. Right. Because it like there's kind of procedural generation for the map. Right. And then on like a little bit. I don't think it's, it's procedural. Like, I think it's that there are 20 different maps you could get for zone one uh-huh. and it just plucks one out and drops it mm-hmm. in. Um, okay, so I don't yeah. I don't think it's quite procedural, but it, it's it's mm-hmm. random. Or like sure. sticky, sticking um, chunks together or like prefab stuff together, maybe or yeah. something like that. Has it had content updates since it came out? Or totally. since it came yeah. out? yeah, it's had a couple Quite of a DLC few. things. And and, uh, and several free ones in the middle in between the DLCs. It actually um, has a whole roguelike mode that comes with one of the DLCs. Yeah. That's like you spawn mm-hmm. into a place and you are literally naked. You have underwear on. And you like <laughs> buy a, a starting loadout and then you <laughs> fight for as long as you can and then you get jumped back. It's not a very good roguelike mode, but it's it, they, they've added a ton of wild stuff. That's cool. I thought Remnant was on Game Pass. It's not. Uh, it is epic. the. It is at least momentarily uh, free on Epic. I, I don't uh, like. It's coming off eventually I, soon. I swear, I got a notification actually saying it is on Game Pass. Um, I just, I just searched for it and I'm not seeing it unless I spelled Remnant I wrong, but I don't think, think I did because all I'm getting is no, some Tomb Raider it, DLC. It is on Game Pass. I don't know why you're no, not what? seeing it. Oh, maybe, but oh, maybe it's because it's only on Xbox and not on PC Game Pass. Mm, yeah, not PC. that's, I think, it. Because I'm looking at a story from August 18th mm-hmm. that says Remnant from the Ashes is available now on Xbox One and in Xbox Game Pass. So usually okay, they say yeah. Game Pass for PC. If it, It's probably because yeah. it's on Epic for free that it's not on. It, it is no longer on Epic for free. So if you missed out, you missed out. Yeah. Uh, but it's totally worth buying. It's a great game. Uh, and it's you can play it again. It's got it's it, the multiplayer is really good for it compared to like a Dark Souls, where if your partner dies and you have to like go and like reset up and like summon them again, this is just you have to go to a checkpoint and you can respawn. And like if you die, you can ju- your partner can go to their checkpoint and you respawn. Mm-hmm. And so that's really handy. And you can, if you're playing with a friend or you can matchmake you can go into someone else's world who has different bosses than you because that's part of the way the worlds change Mm -hmm. and you can get stuff that you don't have like uh, boss drops and And then you can turn those into weapons and and it has some very light monster huntery stuff very light where they're almost every boss there are two different drops you can get from them which are like catalysts to make weapons and there's always the one you get from just killing them, but then there's also a specific like part break kind of kill that you can do mm. that will get you a different drop. So there are you, there's like a dragon boss at one point. If you kill it, if you knock off its tail, I believe you can make a melee weapon out of what you get when you kill it and it drops. If you don't, but it's, it, you also then, if you don't want the tail, cause you already have it, you have to be very careful to not attack the tail because oh, that was, you want to kill it without killing the yeah. tail to get the other mm-hmm. piece um so that stuff is cool and it has modes you can jump into a friend's game that has the character boss you want to fight there's also now an adventure mode where you can randomly roll up a, a section of the world to play through um to try to get stuff outside of the continuity of your save game and then of course you can also just restart the game and re-roll your save so has a lot of cool ways to to dig through that stuff yeah it's for those looking for a bargain, it is also currently forty percent off on Steam. Yeah, twenty four bucks on Steam is a huge is a great deal, and the complete yeah. edition for forty is a really good deal too. Yeah. Uh, so. 
So don't be like me. Listen to Pat and get <laughs> Remnant from the Ashes. I think even if you're not into Souls likes too, if you're into third person like action shooters, mm-hmm. like gear style yeah. games, you should still try it because it's not um, that it, the difficulty can be a little uneven, but it's not punishing. It, it's nowhere near as punishing as to a, the next game you're... we're going to well, next <laughs> yeah. game we're going to talk about. It is not trying to kick your ass. It is trying to give you a fun. Cool and experience. part of that is it being so focused on the ranged combat yeah. is most of the time enemies will not get anywhere near you. You'll get some spots where you'll be definitely tested, but for the most part, and there are if certain you're that, on your shit, then nothing's getting close to you. There are certainly enemies that you will run into for the first time. Well, at least back when I yeah. played it at launch, there are enemies that you run into for the first time and they run up on you and like destroy you and yeah you're like holy fuck what am i supposed to do about that yeah and then you come back and go oh okay since i know this might be coming one thing that does is different though from dark souls and it's cool it's cool the way dark souls does it but it's also cool the way remnant does it is because of that sort of randomized generation um and i want to say this is true even when you hit the checkpoints and respawn the enemies they're not in the same place every time yeah so you can't it doesn't it's not like, oh, the big sword guy that kills me in two hits is always going to be there. So it keeps yeah. in your toes a little bit. There, um, I will say there was some bullshit where enemies spawned behind me after I had, like cleared out an area. And so like I'm like, oh, OK, I got to back up. And I turn around and there's like a big guy with a sword and he's like yeah. my ass suddenly. I'm like, wait, that's not fair. You can't just spawn behind it also, me. It that's has rude. weird, cool stuff. Like there's a bunch of trait lines that you increase that are like gives you like mm-hmm. very slightly faster reload speed and stuff. And you sometimes have to find like lore objects to unlock those trait lines and stuff or do like a certain like thing. I think this is actually new. There's a dog you can pet in one of the worlds. And when you pet the dog, you get uh, an ability or like a trait called like good boy or what a good boy, something like that. And then if you or no, it's a it's an ability and you could use the ability to summon a dog to fight with you. It has a lot of and then you can little things like that. You can buff the dog by petting it after you summon it. <laughs> and there's like a the the the, right. the great example quest line is like um that Austin Walker's talked about before, but there's like this guy who gives you a ring at one point and you may not run into the guy. If you do, there is also a and you both of these things can can come up independently of one another, but if they come up together, the guy gives you a ring there's a point at which there's a dude who you have a short dialogue with and he's like, kill him. And if you show him the ring and give it to him, it completes the quest in a different way from just killing them would. And you get a different reward out of it. Or you could keep the ring and kill them because the ring also has, I believe it's a stat item. It's a, um, it's a stopwatch or a yeah, pocket watch, watch. And it gives you like, it's like increased stamina regen and decreased yeah. stamina so spending. It just, there's all those cool different ways that things interact and you can find different things and trying to collect all the weapons and stuff is really interesting. Um, yeah. And because it has that adventure mode now without having to play through the whole game again, you can say, I know this gun spawns from this quest in on earth. So I'm going to reroll my earth area in adventure mode and just play that and hope I get it. So it, it's a, it's a really neat game and they've just, the new DLC apparently is super good too. Um, the last DLC was kind of disappointing because it didn't, uh, it didn't really, it added a little bit of new story content that you could run into, 
in one of the worlds, but it didn't have like a new campaign or anything. Um, this new DLC, the big thing of the last DLC was this roguelike mode, which is interesting, but not great. This new DLC is like a new chapter of the game. So um, it's, it's supposedly pretty good. All right. Well, uh, I played another Souls-like on the Epic Game Store this week. This one is a 2020 jam. New release. We've got... Well, I just saw something that I did not know was in the game. Um, we've got Mortal Shell, which is from a like a I want to say like twelve or fifteen person so team in Germany. I don't know a European team, pretty small, making a pretty good looking uh, Souls game. It looks more like the Souls series than basically any other Souls like out there. <laughs> uh it's very like dark fantasy it's darker than your like normal souls game like those games have like their dark areas but they've kind of got a quite a range this has less of a range in terms of environments but it's got it's got some cool areas uh, really cool art too it's it's very much like if like someone took hr geiger art and smashed it up with dark souls sure in spots yeah. um in some ways yeah in some both uncomfortable and cool ways <laughs> yeah uh so the uh in mortal shell you play as this weird like not human i think you're foundling and you've yeah. got kendall crotch and yeah. you're like there's a little know, bulge weird... there though there's a little bulge yeah yeah, I, I know, like uh, Alan Rickman and Dogma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so, can that be the episode yeah. title? Alan it's just Rickman Alan Rickman yes. in Dogma. <laughs> sure, I, that's it works. R.I.P. Um, yeah. But so yeah. Uh, as as this uh, as this foundling, yeah, you don't have much power. You're not very resilient. You've got pretty limited health. And but what you can do is you can take over they're not corpses, but like the kind of corpses you can take over these shells of like warriors that have been left behind. And the first one you take over, you get a a thing on screen that says a man is more than just a shell (laughs) (laughs) or a man. No, a man is more than just a sleeve. That's what it is. Yeah, I know. That's gross. I don't. Yeah. Um, So. Yeah, so you t- when you take over the shells, you get uh, each one, there's like four in the game, and each one has like different stats. You've got like durability, resolve, and stamina, and these are like your three main combat stats. And so the first one is just like across the board, it's like run-of-the-mill, jack-of-all-trades. Uh, and you're going through these super early on super brutal unforgiving (laughs) like encounters with it's very sluggish i'd say more sluggish than a than dark souls like there are it's like if you were only playing dark souls with two-handed weapons yes that is like the heavy like. like the heavy weapons um which is something that is uh some people love and then other people are not going to like. And I think one of the weakest parts of this game is even the fast weapons don't feel very fast. 
everything's and there's not a ton of weapon variety or character there's four characters i think four weapons but you can mix and match those however you see fit yeah because again small team and yeah so everything is very very uh was animation priority kind of combat where you're uh swinging your uh swinging your sword or whatever and then hoping that the enemy isn't going to have a faster attack animation than you and knock you out of it or kill you while you swing your sword it feels like you can um you can you can cancel out of attacks though in a way that you can't really do in dark souls um Uh, some of them yeah you can smash the dodge button and then get out of your animation and then also you have that harden ability which is like yes yes so that is one of the big things is if you hit like L L two whatever on your controller, you'll hard you get hard, <laughs> and enemies will whatever the next attack or two to hit you will just bounce off, which is a cool idea. And then if you get killed, you kind of have like two lives, so you'll get like knocked out of your body, and then you can run back to it as your weird uh, Alan Rickman doll, and jump back into the body and get like full health. So that's nice because also healing items are hard to come by in this game. You, there's no Estus flak, flask equivalent. It's closer to like blood vials from Bloodborne, except you have to pick up these like mushrooms two at a time from around the levels. What, what <laughs> They're I will, not common. They do a cool thing where they respawn on a timer. Yes, which is kind of yes. neat because you can go back and say, well, I know there's going to be a mushroom here. Yep. So you're not totally like. The thing that bothers me, and maybe I'm misremembering Bloodborne. It's been a while since I played it. The mm-hmm. thing that bothered me is that sometimes it would feel like, well, fuck, I wasted this, and it's not, the stuff didn't respawn? Yeah, you can uh, farm them off enemies, but it is yeah. like having to go back and do right. that stuff. But sure, yeah, there is. Uh, and there's some of that here. Like, not every item is going to respawn. Yeah. And there's a familiarity, like... uh gauge with each item and so the more you use each item the like you'll learn more about it so after you use like the mushroom which is like the healing mushroom 10 times then it'll suddenly heal you more yeah uh the next like from then on or it'll do stuff like uh like oh now i've got poison and vulnerability when i use this item instead of getting poisoned it it it's cool but also i maxed out the mushroom in like three lives so it was kind of oh, yeah. like what's the point i mean it felt kind of like wh- why even it, if it was more of a like it takes the length of the game for you to really mm-hmm. get familiar with these items i think it would have been more interesting I, if it had been more i think scale. maybe with the mushroom it's more as like a tutorializing yeah, maybe like because you're going to use the mushroom 10 times mm-hmm. and whereas everything else it's like that's a good way to teach you what's going on yeah that's fair. Uh, one of the items that you get early on is a loot. Yes. And you get and better that at is your, it. you get better at playing it uh, each time you use it. Cause the first time you use it is very like, yeah. And then as you get better, like it gradually, it sounds better and is less uh, like muted when you strum. Yeah. But also that's your means of drawing enemies towards you. Like oh, instead that's of good throwing a stone, yeah, instead of throwing a stone like in Dark Souls or Bloodborne, you, you play a loot, loot and then sit enemies on are the like, ground and hey, the wait a over. minute. <laughs> so it's it's not like there are certain things like if an enemy's behind a wall, they won't necessarily be 
uh, like drawn, but if they're like if they have line of sight, they will be, uh, which is interesting. And like kind of some of the quirks you have to like work out. It I'm enjoying it from first of all, the art design is like it's like they sent me a survey and asked me what I'm <laughs> in the mood for from a souls like right now. Like mm-hmm. the art design fucking kicks ass. <laughs> like spooky dark swamps, weird looking mm-hmm. enemies, like it's awesome. Scary, like there's an NPC I met called Baghead. Like absolutely my shit. Uh <laughs> weird, scary stuff. Um and I'm enjoying the flow of the combat. Uh, the thing that occurs to me with this game, and this is true of Remnant to an extent too, it's interesting that no one has actually figured out how to physically weight a character like FromSoft has. Like, mm-hmm. there is like no game outside of the Souls, the real, like the blood, the FromSoft Souls games, and Sekiro has this too that understands character weight like FromSoft does in these kinds of games. And I think that is the the key differentiator for me between FromSoft developed games and, and games from other studios. It's less mm-hmm. apparent in, in um, uh, Remnant because you're, you do so much shooting. So the yeah. dodge feeling kind of like thin is, is fine. It doesn't matter yeah. that much. That's one thing in Mortal Shell that I'm finding. Like when I hammer that dodge button, it feels janky is the wrong word, but mm-hmm. it just feels like I don't have any weight. Um, yeah maybe if you like the different characters they dodge differently yeah and that might gotta find the character that works for you um and it's not even that it's not working it's just a thing i noticed it's a very minor criticism because i still am enjoying the game the one thing that i'm a little critical of that i think it's not understanding at least in the opening area compared the other thing about dark souls that sets it apart from most souls likes is FromSoft's understanding of level design is mm-hmm. um kind of unparalleled um yeah and mortal shell feels like they looked at a dark souls area and said oh so it sprawls around and it has parts that double back and it looks weird um mm-hmm. and then they didn't understand though how refined and tuned areas in dark souls are to guide yeah. you in the direction you should be going so yeah. it feels well, very like I know it's, you can go in any direction and eventually get to where you need to go in yeah. Mortal Shell, but I feel like I'm pretty aimless and I'm just sort mm-hmm. of running around this swamp aimlessly. Yeah. Well, I I told you like you just gotta you gotta get to the big tower, uh, right? Which and they kind they kind of direct you towards when you get near it. They'll be like, "Hey, look, there's a thing up there." I think uh, if you click on it, there's like a thing you click on. It's like, "Oh, okay, I got to go up there," and then it gives you more direction. And, and that's it's like, good. Okay, here's where you should go. I think what is weird about it to me is you like you crawl out of a cave at the beginning, yeah. like a whole tunnel. And then you're in this place and it says Falgrim. And I'm like, oh, this is sweet. And then I started walking in a direction and I, I had a run that was like 35, 40 minutes long where I didn't find anything to like any bonfire equivalent. I just was like kind of going in circles because I wanted to clear out and keep my back safe yep. from enemies. And eventually I got pretty deep and I think I saw that tower thing. I didn't find anything that pointed me to it, but I do think I saw it and it changed areas. It said Falgrim outskirts. And I was like, how is it that I haven't received any direction? And if I die, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Um, And I did, (laughs) I died. And then I I can tell you Falgrim outskirts is not 
the place you want to be. <laughs> and that's the thing is I was like, I, did, I had no idea. So yeah. it's fine because um, I've played enough of these games that I'm comfortable with. I know what to expect. It's not frustrating to me because I'm like, yes, I have 1200 of whatever this experience currency thing is. And I probably just lost it because I don't think I'm going to be able to get back to that corpse, but whatever you got to let it go. That's how <laughs> souls games work. Um, sometimes you have to say, yeah, I lost that, that, corpse but it's fine um and i'm just gonna go the other way now i guess uh yeah but and that's been my minor frustration is it feels like it's a really cool game and it plays really well but mm-hmm. i'm kind of comparing it with like a masterpiece right like yeah it, it, they don't quite funnel you in a convincing way that is sort of like both making you feel like you're progressing and also not making it feel like it's holding your hand in the way that it, dark souls manages to do dark soul like to sticking with dark souls like the first dark souls it starts you off in the asylum which is the tutorial area where you fight the pit demon or whatever it's called a camera and then a giant animal takes you someplace else yeah yeah so then like you don't get that moment it takes you to your hub and you don't get you don't get like the okay now you're in your hub you have to find the hub which is more like dark souls three in a bit but then, like Dark Souls Three, you're kind of going off and teleporting places. It's also and, the third, but you're game still, in a series, di- too. yeah, and you're directed. Like, there's only one way you can go, yeah, and it's to the hub. Whereas this, like, you can get lost and all over. But it's uh, it's, it's so, a pretty minor criticism. Like, I don't expect yeah anyone to be able to re- replicate the magic of Dark Souls level design in mm. in um. A game and and I what yeah. I will say is the the level of polish and quality. I mean, I I'm trying not to be reductive and take anything away from this team because I think they made something really cool. When you first load it up, it feels like you're almost feels like you're playing a fan game, like based on mm-hmm. Dark Souls, because the yep. loading screen is almost identical to a Dark Souls loading yep. screen. Um, <laughs> they are wearing their inspiration on their yeah, stuff. and that's okay because they did a really good job. So I, I don't think it's I'm not trying to say it's like well they just ripped off Dark Souls. Um, but I, I do think it's funny, even in the tutorial, you play the tutorial area, and then you also get taken away by a giant animal. Uh, yeah. You get eaten by a giant fish instead of carried away by a giant bird. But <laughs> even that, no I was like, oh my god. Uh, and all of the text in the game, all of it is like, this is like someone trying to write Dark Souls text. Yeah. It, it, oh, <laughs> but it's good, till you, for the most wait part. Till you get, wait till you get to the tower. And yeah, I mean, it lives up to starts. it. In the, the sense real that mortal shell starts here. It's not as good as Dark Souls, but very few things are. So, it, um, but it, it it is maybe out of like games like The Surge or yes, it is you know games like that that are Souls likes. It is the one most directly cribbing yes, the Souls yes, style. Yes, totally. Uh, but um, I'm excited to keep playing. Yeah, it's, I, su- it's surprising. It has I mean, the steepest learning curve of any of these types of games I've experienced just because like the Harden is kind of like an easy out, but it's you can't constantly do it. It's on a recharge, but just like learning how to actually like parry and oh, I don't even know used to all how the to parry right well, now. Well, you, you can't yet because you yeah, have to get to yeah. the tower where you'll get the ability <laughs> to parry. Uh, uh, yeah. But it, like learning all that stuff, once you can do it, it's satisfying, but sure. early going. And until you like start to get some upgrades for your weapons, it's very difficult. Yeah. What were you going to say? Alex? It's, it's neat. I was just going to say how 
people have been saying for years that, oh, I imagine like Dark Souls, like people are going to make so many games that are like Dark Souls. And there's been yeah, a few. And like, like, yeah, like there's a handful. Um, but like you said, none that directly crib from it in this specific way, except for maybe Salt and Sanctuary. But that's also a different yeah. thing. It's still 2D. Yeah, I mean, that's still yeah. different. Yeah, like, it, but it's, this is, like, it's this is definitely closest, inspired by. Yeah, this is like the closest 3D uh, non from soft developed game that seems like mm-hmm. straight up a, a Dark Souls. Yeah. 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 I'm going to yeah, keep playing it. I want to try to get through it. I love it's the 30 bucks on the 30 bucks uh, on the Epic game store. So, and if, and like me, you should check your Epic account because I was like, I don't really want to give Epic money right now. I think this Fortnite thing is bullshit. Oh, and yeah. then I looked at my account and was like, I also have a $10 coupon that expired. <laughs> <in two> months. <laughs> yeah. I had that too. When I bought a, a game recently where I was like, Oh, I, I don't I don't know if I want to spend money with Epic, but Hey, I've got this $10. I mean, coupon, I'm also so. probably going to get that Tony Hawk thing that, that Tony How was that only on Epic. Yeah. Shit. Um, wow. But I'm honestly considering buying it on PlayStation instead. I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, the. But how will you get the true experience of playing with a wired controller? I don't know. It's an existential crisis I'm having. We can move <laughs> on. Nobody needs to worry about my Tony Hawk. Sad. I, I, I still want to buy it to get that warehouse level, but also. It's, like, it's just a demo. It's not, I know. It's. it's it's a tiny little demo, but I still want to play it. and I haven't yet. <laughs> so it's, we'll it's out in like weekend. a week and a half. I know or two weeks, I guess, but whatever. Part of me wants to wait to the same sure day as Avengers. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta choose, pick your baby. No, nope, not for me because I bought the deluxe version of the Avengers. Oh, and no. so I get to play that on September 1st. Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I still need to cancel that pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get to Sam gonna, and I are I'm just going to run the tables at Game of the Year. Uh, well, I wait till I get a GPU and I can maybe <laughs> play it at 60 frames per second. I'm, I am fully expecting that when the game launches for real, it, my, my system's just going to tank it and it's not going to work at all. <laughs> and then I'm going to be pissed. And That's what you get for saying, oh, it worked fine for me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, it does. I don't know. I I can't say for sure, but it seems like maybe they ironed out a little bit of performance stuff on PS4, but I still don't think it's very good. So yeah, we don't have to dive into it, but I will say that whether you think it's good or not, I think it is encouraging that um, that that they seem to be to some degree at least listening to feedback and trying to course correct on some things. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that is enough to make it appealing to a wider range of people who don't like it, I don't know if it'll be, but. I'm encouraged. I, I thought it was cool to see that they actually had some pretty ex- extensive is the wrong word, but they had some concrete changes to stuff in there, not mm-hmm. core systems, but like little game feel updates, things to try to really materially improve performance. And they like outlined it. It wasn't just like they were like improved performance on PC. It was like, yeah, Hey, we disabled this per this. We tuned down this motion blur and we changed SSAO and stuff to actually make it work. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful. Yeah, uh, we'll see in like two weeks. We'll see if any of that stuff is makes it into the launch of the game. Because my theory it's is way that, too late for that. My theory is that that beta build is is the launch candidate. But eh, maybe. Uh, but like some of that stuff is locked ahead of time, and like, but we'll I don't know. We'll see. I think they'll roll these updates into that full release. Maybe, sure. but if um, if it's you know it, maybe it's day one patch. Who knows? Uh, that's but yeah, anyway. That's what I mean. Let's talk about the news. 
the rest of the news that we didn't get to. We're already, oh boy, this is a long one. Yep. We talked about anime for like 30 minutes at we the did. top of the show. We, we did. did. We our sure recordings, did. Our recordings are like 20 minutes longer, I think, or 15 minutes longer than the actual show. And not that long, long, no. We not talked even for a close. while about before the show started with recording. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, let's see, let's see. So next, uh, on the news docket, we've got Summer Games done quick. It's been happening all week. It's all online because you'd be out of your mind to hold an event with a bunch of sweaty speedrunners in a hotel right now. Yeah, you would. All night, all day. But it's been good. It's been a neat thing because Summer Games Done Quick, if you don't know, is a big charity event that happens twice to three times a year. They do like some other stuff occasionally, but they have awesome games done quick in the winter and summer games done quick in the summer where they do a week of speed running of various games. It's cool. And it's all for charity. Yes. Mm -hmm. This time is for doctors without borders. Uh, yep, has anyone and, seen? Uh, oh, yes, Allison, please. Oh, and and they um, always raise quite a bit of money for charity. Uh, I haven't. Sh- let's see. Taking a quick look, I was going to say, oh, it seems down, but this year they've already uh, raised over a million dollars, which which is Great. pretty, uh, which is is pretty much what they they do every year. Uh, I think a year. it being down this year would be understandable given the circumstances. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I haven't watched it very much this year, um, just because I like you know watching it live when there's the kind of overall atmosphere and energy of the live things right whereas like now i'm I'm interested in a lot of runs but i'm kind of just waiting to see what are the most you know interesting runs and kind of watching it later but so i i imagine there's quite a few people in the same boat but it's still uh raised nearly 1.2 million dollars so far and there's still time to go so it's it's, it's, yeah. which is really great. And something I'd like to point out is that even though the audience is not present and there's not the cheering, Dance Dad is still dancing. Uh, yes, you, I am you can, so happy. Yeah, you can follow him on Twitter, Wolfman2000, or you can look up the Twitter hashtag of hashtag Groove Crew and you can find him dancing to the interstitial music. And Dance Dad is like one of the most like wonderfully wholesome parts of the GDQ runs. Yeah. And so I'm very, I'm happy. And I'm so glad that he's continuing because he's super rad. Uh, has anyone seen any good runs? Yeah. Trackmania had some real fucked up stuff. That was like a, sh- a shortcut showcase. Yeah. That's really good. I it was not. Oh, that sounds fun. I it was like Trackmania nations forever. I don't really watch, um, the, the games done quick. It's nothing against, I mean, it seems like, Everyone loves it. No, you you awesome. hate Doctors Without Borders, Pat. Is that what it is? You hate Doctors Without Borders? Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's just I don't know. I've always had a hard time getting into speedrunning, but uh, the Trackmania thing sounds really appealing. <laughs> literally the literally the only speedrunning thing I pay attention to is uh, Games Done Quick. To to the point, or except for occasionally I watch videos on YouTube that are like talking about speedrunning, but I don't really watch a lot of speedruns. Speedrunning drama in general. Uh, sort of. I mean, of like that. this this dude cheated that. in the Yu Gi Oh speed run. So, 
Oh, I'll be I honest. definitely just watched that video the other day. <laughs> I'll be honest. That, was... that is to a degree part of why I've always had a hard time getting into it is because it seems like there's a lot of drama around it that I don't know that I'm ready for. Yeah, there, there's some there's some questionable community content that shows up. Uh, but to answer your question, Andre, one of the things that I saw that I can't find clips of, but uh, I'm sure they'll show up, is that you know the two who games, right? The the, the shoot 'em ups, Toho, whatever. Sorry, I always called it two who as a kid. So, um, but yeah, like the crazy shoot 'em ups that like bullet hell, not so impossible. Uh, someone did a run of that blindfolded. <gasps> Yeah, I saw that that happened. That's I really watched cool. It yet. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like showcase runs are great. <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah, stuff they, is that's, crazy. That that's one of the things that I really like about GDQ, especially with in terms of speed running, is that since it's an event, a lot of people, um, most people realize, hey, this is not going to be uh, a world record run. Um, although occasionally they do have those. There were um, but multiple they, world record runs this week where people were, did not know there. And then oh, like yeah. at the end, they're like, the chat is saying this is a world record. They're like, what's the time? Yeah, that's, that's world record. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I mean like, it, but uh, I think a lot of the people going into it are like, okay, I don't think this is likely going to be a world record run. So I'm just going to kind of show off what the cool things about the game, the cool things about mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know about this year, but I know that um, in past years, there's, times where uh devs get on the phone to mm-hmm. chat about yeah. the games as they're being speed run and completely broken yeah, apart demolished. and it's it's yeah. Always interesting yeah it's so, so i i i think that i mean I, I totally get where you're coming pat and i i, I think that it's it's a very specific interest but it, it, i think it's also a really good place to start for speed running especially yeah. if you're kind of vaguely interested in it And it's such a cool, I think speedrunning is a really cool thing that even if it's not something that I ever really engage with, I think it's one of those things that's so cool it exists. Like it's, it's, it's elevating, um, game play in a way that is really, really interesting. And, and, um, and, and I'm glad that people put so much time into it. Uh, and I just love watching videos of people destroying video games yeah, sure, <laughs> which yeah. sounds horrible but there's so many like even going past speed running i have watched that video um uh the super mario 64 video about a presses like a thousand times because it's just like yeah like weirdly meditative to me that's a really good just, video it, it's just like the ways that people are exploring like the game uh just areas of the game that are just completely outside of what you'd expect to yeah. see in uh, the game it's, it's I, just so cool i think one of the the best speed run i've seen was the half-life alex speed run because the technique involved in running that game is very silly it's a vr game uh, that has like you're standing and walking around and using motion control. And part of the technique is manipulating the uh, f- like your height. Uh, so part of the technique is like, oh, I need to get lower so I can get back into the level because I manipulated myself outside of the level so I could walk around. 
and to do it since it's a speed run they want to be quick and so it's just this person dropping to the floor basically as fast as they can as they enter a menu and then standing up That's like amazing. in sequence it's really silly uh the commentator because there's always like a streamer and then a commentator who can like help explain things so the streamer can focus uh started off by saying like black lives matter trans rights human rights so that was also cool uh yeah uh, it was a that's a real good run i know some of you want to hold out and play it yourself but it's it's really worth watching because it's just like a weird goofy run where because it's a source game so you're breaking the level and getting getting outside geometry and all that stuff it's neat all right we're and that's our that's our last piece of good news Uh, yeah we're just gonna (laughs) hey what are you trying to say about master roshi oh yeah that's true let's leave let's Uh, save that for for the end we'll have a good news sandwich uh, let's let's see uh well since we're here talking about the the vr uh with half-life alex facebook or I guess Oculus said this week that new starting in October, new Oculus users will need to sign up with a Facebook account, which when they were acquired by Facebook, they said you will never need to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. The, and yeah, I, do not take this as a buy one now because you shouldn't, but um I the only reason that I have not already listed my quest for sale is that since I already have an Oculus account, I can continue to use it until 2023, January 1st, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. This is it's I, rough. I don't think this is going to stick personally because um, I think it's going to tank their sales to a degree. Um, oh yeah, it's making a hell of a case for the Vive and the Index. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think like. There are plenty of people who don't care. I was having a conversation with some friends who um, I play tabletop games with, and one of them is a big quest guy, and he's like, "I don't care. I already use Facebook, so what difference does it make?" Um, and yeah, kind of bristled at my <laughs> distaste for the move. Um, so I think there's a lot of people who won't care, but I do think if you're if you're willing to spend four hundred dollars or whatever the quest costs right now on a piece of hardware, you probably are tapped in enough to understand a little bit about the industry and what's going on. Um, and so I think it'll have an impact on their sales. Yeah. And I mean, I still Maybe. have an active Facebook account and I still actively use it. Uh, although not quite as much as I, I have in the past, but uh, you know, I, I still, I'm still on Facebook pretty frequently and I still, I, I just, I, I find this really not great. So I would be not, necessarily super jazzed about this if i was if i was looking to get another vr um system yeah uh it yeah it's very strange they've gotten a lot of blowback but they're facebook so they can do whatever they're used to blowback and you've got an oculus account you've got an oculus account which is owned by facebook so I I see yes. the like they've already got your information, but and they it's do just, store your tracking. All of the there's gameplay data yeah. that they store, and it still is Facebook owned. So it to some yeah. extent it is a little illusory. The issue I have is less with the tie to Facebook because I I knew it's, it's yeah. that they lied about it. Um, 
and that you can't. I mean, they went back on a thing that they said. Yeah. A yeah. core promise that they made they, to people. They, they broke a promise. Yeah. And to me, that is why I am like, well, at this point, then are you going to change your terms of service on the data that says it won't be used for X, Y, and Z and that it'll be mm-hmm. anonymized? Is that still going to be the case in two years? Because I don't trust anything you have to say now. Are you going to backfill my data into your servers that like yeah. custom make custom ads for me in a way that you said you weren't going to do? Like. At this point, right. I just don't trust them with anything. And, so, and there's the it requires you to create a Facebook account at that point, which many people are trying to get off the service. Yeah, I mean, and I still so, have my account for Messenger, yeah. but I don't really use it at all for yeah. normal Facebook. And but, yeah, so many people still have an account, but many people are trying to get off or don't yeah. want an account at all, um, and, and, so and and ultimately then you're forcing them back into that ecosystem. I, so. what I will say, and this is all very, we're talking. This is not going to change by October but potentially by 2023, I think if elections in the U S go the way that, um, they will hopefully go. There is a very good possibility that Facebook will come under a lot of regulatory fire. And some of this stuff might shift around that. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, no I mean, if it doesn't happen, election shakes. No matter how this election shakes out, that's not going to happen. I think if it doesn't happen, then it's definitely going to spell a lot of. It's a dark future. <laughs> it's oh, a very well, dark yeah. future. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's 100%. a dark future that um, it's sort of like I feel about this in a similar way that you, to you did about the um, the Valorant stuff, the Vanguard stuff, Alex. I think if you do not pressure your politicians to put this on the table for them you should be afraid (laughs) because this is facebook is extraordinarily dangerous and so that is part of why moves like this bother me because um they need to have people coming after them and um and and by consolidating services like this it's just really not good um and and uh so you should be upset about it i think (laughs) Um, and concerned. And I would say don't buy an Oculus device because of it, for sure. Yeah, it sucks because they're the most affordable option, and... They're also the most usable option. Yeah. Uh, Interestingly, or not interestingly, uh, again, this is like when Microsoft delayed the... delayed Halo. Like, if they had accompanied this with some other news... I feel like they wouldn't have had the same reaction because supposedly they've got another VR headset in production. This is pretty on the way. So if they, but if they had people to like check out the new Oculus thing, they would at least have something to balance out. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not sure what their thinking is. I think it would all be couched in like, check out the new Oculus thing that you're still going to have to make a Facebook account to use. So it's just Uh, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's that, but you, they have the, Ooh, shiny new tech. If it's cool. I mean, maybe it's not cool, but one, one nice thing about their hardware that, uh, is just, is actually more of a, one nice thing about steam thing is, um, (laughs) you should be able to use your Oculus hardware through steam without needing to log into it in Mm -hmm. some amount of perpetuity. I think as someone who uses Oculus link to steam, it never asks me to like, like I don't have to, I have to boot the Oculus app, but I can do it in offline mode. 
and I am not required to update the firmware in it. Now, some of that could change, of course. Yeah. But um, and anything's on the table to change. But hopefully, for people who have it already, they'll be able to keep doing that. Um, yeah. But I think the the, the response to this is um, HTC. I don't think Valve will make another headset. I think the Index is their headset, and if anything, they'll make an Index Two that just builds on that tech. Um, from everything I've heard about like how hard it is to rally people at Valve around a project. Anything, yeah. <laughs> For any amount of time, I doubt that, that we'll ever see them make a inside-out tracking headset. But HTC needs to get on that. Because to me, it's less... The affordability is a key factor for Oculus, but the other mm-hmm. part of the equation is I don't want to put up tracking stations. The appeal of Oculus yeah. hardware is to, to not need that. So yeah. um, if HTC makes an all-in-one, I would absolutely switch to that. Mm. Well, uh, hmm. let's see. Okay. There's got... actually just a piece of breaking news. Oh, oh boy. Right now. <laughs> Are you ready for it? What is it? Yeah. In China, Fall Guys is coming to mobile. That And that is leading to speculation oh. as to whether it will be coming to mobile in North America and Europe. It's already on mobile. I don't know what you're talking oh about. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many, uh, so many, like, so fat. I guess... I don't know, really fast there were like mobile clones ripping yeah. off Fall Guys. Yeah. I mean it's a good fit for mobile. I think one I think one was called Fall Boys or something. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. It, that's a major problem with App Store like the Google Play Store especially. I don't know if it was on uh, iOS but probably not. But boy. yeah, we don't have to talk about it much, but that's interesting. It's not surprising. That's that's yeah. exactly what uh, happened to PUBG and Fortnite. Mm-hmm. It seems like well, it'd be hard to speak- jump and grab with a yeah. touch interface. Maybe, yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, speaking of Fall Guys, they've got, they're pitting a whole bunch of businesses against each other. They're using their social media power for good and pitting a whole bunch of social or a bunch of companies against each other to raise money for a charity. I don't know what the <laughs> charity is, but it, Special for their effects. donation, they okay. They will get a, a skin in the game or a costume in Fall Guys. Yeah, and I want the the bidet company to win. Yes, because their costume is it's a peach for the head, and then it's a t shirt that just says "Ask me about my butthole." It's pretty They're, good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I did, and see- they donated. They were like, "We we offer like." Forty-two thousand sixty-nine cents or something. I don't know. Yeah, some silly amount like that. I four hundred twenty thousand. There was, it was a, a funny. It was there a was, lot. There was a company in the thread. I was reading through the thread that made a serious bid that um is like a um like a uh like a etchy game. They make like <laughs> not not necessarily full hentai, but like but like kind of sex games. Cl- close uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the company. They showed their games show up on Steam all the time. Um. And they like they put forth a serious bid, and the Fall Guys account responded and was like, "No, <laughs> we are not accepting but your bid." <laughs> they they're trying to be very family friendly. Yeah, I don't know. So I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I family get where you're friendly. With but they're ones about buttholes. The, the yeah, like the yeah. the skin that this company put forward wasn't like necessarily explicit. I don't know anything about this company, and I don't personally mm-hmm. really engage with those kinds of games, so I don't have an opinion on like the ethics of that stuff. But the skin that they put forward was like their mascot, who is like an anime lady, but she is less egregious than some anime ladies I've seen. And I was like, I don't know. 
I get Fall Guys that, has a firm and no anime stance. I guess. I, I, it felt, it seemed kind of rude the way they re- responded was more than anything. Mm-hmm. I could see them like ignoring it and privately messaging that company and being like, hey, we just aren't comfortable with this. Sorry. But the fact that they were like, it was like, you have been yeeted, not safe for work was the response. And I was like, that mm-hmm. sucks. That's not a nice way to, <laughs> to respond. Uh, they're uh, they are pretty severe with I th- I think they're pretty severe with like blocking people who are like do not safe for work. Like I think there was someone people posting like Fall Guys porn into well, like the replies weird. and stuff, and <laughs> that, they were like, "Nope, you're all blocked." And yes, that is a good people. Yeah, so they are they're pretty <laughs> strict with that stuff. I haven't seen the thing in question, but same. Yeah, I, I do think ask me about my butthole though is uh very That's funny content. and I hope That's it wins. I don't know that I think it is necessarily worse than some than some of the, that's I don't know. That's, hey, everybody's got one. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm glad it's doing stuff for charity, but yes, yeah. We can You know what? Can... If Fall Guys helps proliferate the bidet in North America, <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Fall Guys, game of the year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, sure. All right. We are, God, we're so long today. I don't know if we want to. Oh, we can we, get some of the stuff. Uh, Rocksteady um, was recently, a story came out about their handling of some sexual assault allegations from 2018, or that's when like a, a letter was signed. I'm not entirely clear on the course of events here. Basically, Rocksteady was accused of improperly handing some sexual assault, sexual harassment allegations uh, signed by like 10 women who worked there, I believe. And then Rocksteady followed up, responded with a tweet saying like, no, some women didn't experience that. Right. Is this what happened? Am I totally off base here? Kind of like uh, the tweet yeah. kind of um, elaborated on how two years ago they did put some policies into place and have generally been looking for active feedback from their from their development crew. And I have seen some Rocksteady employees, uh, women employees saying like, yes, it has gotten better over those those two years. Okay. So, uh, but like yeah. th- there has also been a lot of just Twitter people being Twitter people and just immediately going into cancel mode and not even reading the accounts of the actual developers in question. So mm-hmm. I definitely think um, the thing that I will say that I think is um, especially positive about this is I had concern that, you know, we had a larger reckoning earlier this year and I kind of had concern that that would, those sorts of events make it feel safer. I think for a lot of, um, people who have been hurt to share their stories because it's among a lot of other people. Um, and I, I am glad that this came out, even though that kind of happened, uh, you know, a month or two ago that that stuff was happening. Cause it, sh- I'm, I'm hopeful that it means that there was a larger knock on effect from that reckoning, you know, um, that maybe made people more confident to share these stories. This one is, um, the details are really hard to work out in this one um, is the thing that I've kind of found in trying to read up on it. Um, so obviously I believe and stand with whoever was harmed, of course, and believe them. But um, 
it's definitely a tricky one because it seems like there's like a lot of conflicting opinions and accounts happening um, kind of across the board. So I think it hopefully will develop more and we'll understand more soon. Yeah. And much like we were talking about with crunch culture and things like that, I think it is important to pay attention to the humans behind the games because mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, that, 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 that often gets forgotten when all you're looking at is a video game and pushing X and like complaining about how the swinging feels is that there is a lot of people that make these and you should care about their well-beings. So now well, that, I'm, I'm glad now that, that I'm, transparency. Now that I'm thinking back to earlier this week and oof, the things that transpired, I'm remembering there was a story in the guardian. Is that where it came from? And like that, that's where this initially came out was a story from the guardian detailing these things from 2018, but there was no comment from Rocksteady. is basically what happened. I can't remember. And so that we read, I think that's what led to a lot of the discourse and kind of the whole thing because Rocksteady didn't get to address any of the things like what we did to tackle these issues or here are the people like here are some of the people that signed that letter responding to it because they, I guess were possibly blindsided by the story or didn't get a chance to respond. I'm not entirely sure how it went down, but that's what it seemed like. So yeah, that's, that's one big story. Hopefully uh, what they say is true and they are actually, have been actively addressing those things and trying to make them better. Yeah. And hopefully this also gets other companies to go, shit, we really need to get on this and improve things. But yeah, maybe one of these days, Riot will actually stop being a pile of shit. Eh. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced. I, I hope, but anyway, Oh boy. I just, that, that makes me think of the, the whole 10 cent thing, but and the the TikTok and the whatnot, but nope. This the week TikTok we got and the whatnot. Well, speaking of Tencent, boy, I don't even know if we have the energy. We're already over. I, I don't like think I do personally. It's, so, it's, but I, we got we got to say something because fucking Epic, God damn it. Uh, they so their Epic has did a thing. They went, hey everybody. Get twenty percent off your V bucks, uh-huh. and uh, directly linked to like their own payment system through iOS and Android, which is against the terms of service. This allowed you to bypass things like Apple Pay and the Google Store, so you could just buy V bucks directly from Epic without giving Apple their thirty percent cut or whatever it is that they take. Same for Google, and this. <laughs> Unsurprisingly resulted in Apple and Google removing the game, the app from the Play Store, and it can no longer be updated. And then basically immediately after the game was removed from the respective stores, Epic filed lawsuits against the appropriate company. Yeah, and we did talk about that in pretty deep detail last week. If anybody's interested in all of that. Did we? When did this happen? Yeah, we we did did talk about it last week. Yeah. Okay. It happened last like Thursday and Friday, I think. Yeah. Kind of whenever. Oh yeah. Wow. We talked talked about the uh, the ad they ran, or like the 1984 thing and 1984. Yeah, you're right. What is time? 
<laughs> All right. So there are some more updates. Alex, do you want to give us the quick and dirty of what the, the well, this week brought in this story? The one we have written, I'll get back to, but the one that's been more recent that is very stupid is that now they're having an in-game event, like the, an official in-game event, and where one of the rewards is... No, two of the rewards, one of which is the 1984 evil Apple overlord guy from the 84 ad, and it's very dumb. And the other reward is an in-real-life hat, which which has yeah, free Fortnite so on it. so stupid. <laughs> it is so stupid. Uh, it is like... It is way worse than I thought it was going to be. I am like the amount of, there are people I'm trying to choose my words very carefully. There are people at Epic who I have a lot of respect for who are more on the development and even on the marketing side of Epic who I've followed on Twitter and stuff and seem like genuinely cool people. This is veering into the like, I hope there's people on that team that are saying, what are we fucking doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is like, bad. this is the kind of stuff that if I'm not saying anybody should quit their jobs during a pandemic, but if I was a part of that team and seeing this stuff happen around me, I would be like, I don't feel good about working here during this. What are mm-hmm. we doing? Um, yeah, it's just a fucking hat about your lawsuit, which, you know, which even, you're marketing if I agree, to kids. even if I agree with the premise of their lawsuit to an extent, to a large extent, to rip off the Apple logo for your stupid hat mm-hmm. is like you're eating your own tail. You're not understand like you're doing the kind of shit that is bad. <laughs> um and it's yeah. just like Yeah. It's boy, it's, it's, it's rough. It's dumb. And the other thing that happened that I'll just really briefly sum up because this is, this this is is the bigger, this is 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 the more important, much bigger, uh, bigger, harder to digest and kind of, we won't know the full effect until it happens kind of thing. But so Apple made a retaliatory move, uh, retaliatory whatever words are hard Mm. um and what they have done is they have given a date to when they're going to terminate epic's developer accounts and licenses uh and it's going to be in like a week from now so late august is when it's going to happen and this is really bad and it's the first time i've ever seen it happen like uh from a personal side i've had an apple developer account since like 2013 and like so I've been I've had an eye on that whole thing for what 7 years now and the terms of services like that they have there it's pretty hard to break them like even if you try and like basically homebrew stuff on Apple they still got you covered like it's all good um but the what's going to happen with this is Apple's going to remove their ability to publish new code on any Apple device, be it Mac, be it iOS, uh, iPad OS, etc. And this is a problem because Epic makes Unreal Engine. And yep. a lot of games use Unreal Engine. Uh, so yep. by by <laughs> removing this, oh, and I should say not just games, also some like uh, AR applications, especially uh, for like real estate. 
and like films that. now and oh, like yeah, yeah, TV yeah. are using Unreal to like the Mandalorian uh, yep. famously used Unreal to generate its sets, basically. Yeah. So for backgrounds. So basically, what that means is because Epic's doing all this stupid shit. Well, again, I. I think the lawsuit is valid. I think the actions around it are stupid shit. And that seems to be more like the impetus here. But regardless, it means that other companies are now having to like suffer the brunt of it because that means they won't be able to update their products. They won't be able to make changes to it until all of this gets resolved. Or maybe they never will be able to again, depending on the outcome. So it's unity. Uh, just, let out a deep sigh of relief. <laughs> uh, it's I I the scene. I wonder if that turns devs against Epic because now it's just like devs caught in the middle of these two. Yeah, you know they should be against both of these companies. They're both yeah. they're acting without really any kind of. Neither of them are showing any kind of concern to the to the consumers or developers yeah. that this. Mm hits and especially frustrating to me because epic is couching it in a like we're doing this for the devs thing and it's like sure you're not yeah sure there are plenty of devs who are like oh yeah getting rid of the cut would be nice but i've seen just as many devs saying like fuck you we have to pay the fee and just get over it we're successful with dealing with all of this like more money would be nice but you're jeopardizing our ability to be able to even operate on the platform and this isn't on our news list but just to kind of devil's advocate the other side of that the stuff that apple did to wordpress this week is fucking abhorrent too yeah i mean where apple is doing a lot of real bad shit and like i I also agree that i think the way epic is approaching it is also real bad but it's it's very muddy waters across both sides it, it even ties back into the facebook thing of like it, it's really important that we look at the damage that these tech companies can do to like the economy and society when they throw their temper tantrums. And um, I would just say, you know, keep that in the front of your mind <laughs> over the next year or so. Cause I think it's really important that, that like societally we start to really question that. Um, Cause it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. Google does it too. They're not immune. They're, they're, they're not like, Oh no, certainly not. They're not in the news this week, yeah. but they will be in the next month. I bet. Yeah. We could have a whole hour dedicated to this, but yeah. not today. Yeah. 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 If anything, yeah. I think the interesting way to handle it, and maybe as things shake out, if we, if we almost do a separate discussion outside of the normal podcast, talking about the whole yeah. way all this shakes out, because it is interesting and has a lot of repercussions. The- yeah, there are there are quite a few games made with Unreal on mobile, which you might not expect. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see the outcome of this in the coming weeks and what happens. Yeah, yeah, because oof, boy, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. But hopefully, hopefully, devs come out of it okay. <laughs> but. Oh boy. You know who will come out of it okay though? Master Roshi. I was gonna say, I had a feeling you were gonna He he always he always walks away. He always he just needs a, a dirty magazine and he's good to go. 
Master Roshi is coming to Dragon Ball Fighters, which is it's great. Uh, that's a good choice. It's I'm surprised it's taken this long. Yeah. He is the third of five fighters in the third fighters pass. I heard this and was like, they're still putting characters in that game. I mean, it's awesome, but it it was very popular. Uh, Yeah, apparently it's, that would have been a good Evo announcement, but I wonder if they would have announced, because this is much, this is after Evo would have been. Then the fourth character will be Scorpion. And then the fifth character will be Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. I, I don't know who they'll put for. Did I? I watched the Dragon Ball movie this week, and now I'm like, have like the I watched the new Dragon Ball Brawly movie, the Dragon Ball Super Brawly. We just and watched just, mind break in real time. Yeah, no, it's like, did I imagine the end of that movie? But I don't think I did. I think, yeah, I don't know. It's really annoying because they like that movie ends with like. And there, there's going to be more, kind of. But the super anime is still on hiatus or not mm-hmm. coming back. And the manga is still going. But like, just, just bring back the anime. I like the anime. Is there any precedent for Dragon Ball stuff pulling in characters from other shows? No. Not that I know of. Ooh. Like, unless it's like other like, Toriyama stuff. Like, they've put... Uh, Arale? Up. Uh, the the little girl from Doctor Slump, the robot girl, she was in Super, huh. and she like kicked Vegeta's ass. They should bring in but, Frog from uh, Chrono Trigger. I thought you were gonna say from Frog Fractions. Oh, also that. What if they're the same character? Oh shit! Whoa. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's gonna do it for news this week. Uh, that's going to do it for episode 135 of the Gaming Fix podcast on August 23rd, 2020. I think I forgot to say that at the beginning. I have been your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your partner's favorite hair care tip. I was joined. You can find me on Twitter at CoolSlaw. It's late, baby. <laughs> uh, on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Pat, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PJC Plays. And uh, I um, will hopefully be streaming some stuff to the Twitch channel yesterday. I've had a rough couple weeks, so I haven't had, been able to do that the last couple weekends. But hopefully tomorrow I'll be around. Might play some Flight Sim. Let's see. I was supposed okay. to have a mic mount come today, and it's not going to come today now, which makes playing Flight Sim hard. So we'll see. All right. And Allison? Follow me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. Great. And Alex. You can find Hanyu Brendan Fraser writing Fuckboy420 in the Carbuncle server in Japan. Sweet. Okay. You can follow us. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at FixPodcasts. You can head over to... The YouTube channel, which is also a fixed podcast, where hopefully I'll put up a video in the next few days. I, I got some I want to talk about with Nintendo and their directs. And you can head over to fix.space to see some reviews. I'm going to write one for Mortal Shell. And then podchaser.com slash gaming fix to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. 
and how we can improve all that good stuff. And if we should double the lengths of these episodes. Hell yeah. Oh, God. Six hours every week. <laughs> uh, this is fine because it's, it's summer vacation, but next week's my last weekend of summer vacation. We're going ha- to have to tighten up soon, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think we do. <laughs> It was a good time, though. Uh, yes. Thanks for thanks to Monty for joining us. Mm-hmm. Check out Uppercut Crit. Uh, is there anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Stay wet, gamers. Oh, fuck. God. God. Bye. 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 <laughs>